Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with, oh yeah. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with, yes you did. You made it with, you made it weird. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, before I even get to anything about this episode, I want to urge everybody to go and see The Big Sick. Uh, they are not a sponsor of the show. Obviously, you guys know if you listen to the show that Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani are two of my uh, longest, closest, and dearest friends. They've written and made an amazing movie with another uh, obviously dear friend of mine, Judd Apatow, as, as the producer. Michael Showalter is the director. Just an incredible film. Ray Romano, who did the podcast, incredible, amazing. It's one of the best movies I've seen in 10 years. I love it. I'm not just saying that because they're my friends. And because it's a small movie and it's going up against things like Spider-Man and uh, whatever, Baby Driver, I don't know what's hot right now. Um, this is a small, lower-budget movie that needs support. But, but better than that, you're going to love it. If you like this podcast and you like comedies that are hilarious and that have heart and something real to say, it's based on their true story. Actually, point of fact, uh, when Kumail did the podcast and he told me the story of he and Emily, uh, people have been tweeting at me that he said, uh, I said rather, that would be a great movie. And here it is. It's The Big Sick. It's opening wide this weekend. Please go see it. You won't regret it. Uh, this is Anthony Antamanic. We, we joke, no one knows how to say his name. Anthony from The President Show. He is an incredible improviser, wonderful storyteller, one of the funniest people I know, one of the most interesting people I know. Excuse me. So I was so glad to have him on. Uh, and this episode is brought to us by our wonderful friends at Squarespace. I don't know what it is you do, but chances are you need a website to get the word out there, to get your blog out there, to get your store out there, to up that delicious web presence. And Squarespace is here to help you make an easy, elegant, and wonderful intuitive website and uh, by using them you're also showing your support of this show and all you got to do is go to squarespace.com and enter offer code weird and you'll get 10% off your first purchase I also want to point out that we have uh, what else do I want to point I said that like I really knew what I wanted to point out and yet I don't know what we want to point out I'll plug the Pete's Picks, guys. These are things that I have used today and pretty much every day. Alpha Brain is the nootropic or nootropic uh, that I take, which means it's a vitamin for your brain. It's made by a wonderful company called Onnit. It is like fish food for my brain. I think about sprinkling it on fish, but the fish are my ideas and my creativity. It's wonderful for focus and concentration, but it's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It's not going to keep you up. It doesn't make you jittery. In fact, it's pretty mild. You won't notice it in the way that you notice like a Red Bull. You'll notice it in that you have clarity of mind, you can recall memories better, and you can uh, access your vocabulary, to mess up the word vocabulary. You can mess up, uh, fuck my face, I'm so tired. You can access your vocabulary <laughs> a lot better. I swear by Alpha Brain, I've taken it every day. Every podcast, every stand-up show, every time I've had to write a script, anything that uses my brain, I notice a, a big, wonderful difference when I take it. I take about three, 15 minutes before I have something to do. Uh, I've taken more than that today because we're shooting, and it is a game-changer for me. I want you to try it, and if you want to, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your order. Try it. 
I hope you love it. It's a Pete's pick for a reason because I love it. The other Pete's pick is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. We had the Stanley Brothers on telling us the wonderful story of how Charlotte's Web came into being. It's made from hemp, but it is not. It doesn't get you stoned, uh, and it's legal in all 50 states. It's not a drug in that way. There's nothing psychoactive about it. It is a mild, wonderful supplement that I take. Uh, and all of this is anecdotal. This is not FDA stuff. This is what it does for me. I notice it as a mood enhancer. I note it as an anxiety reducer. I love taking it when I travel. Anytime I have to be in the middle seat on an airplane, this is there for me. It's just a little escape hatch that I can pull, and everything gets rounded out a little bit. Everything's a little bit funnier, a little bit quicker to laugh, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I, just a happy, good, healthy glow that I take almost every day, and I have a lot of weirdos coming up to me and telling me how much it means to them uh, for a multitude of different things. You can do the research yourself. I'm telling you what it does for me. That's enough. It, it, it doesn't cloud my brain uh, in any way, in any negative way, the way that uh, marijuana, the whole plant, would. This is just CBD, and I want you to try CBD if you're interested. We've got you a way to get 10% off with our wonderful friends at Charlotte's Web. You just have to go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code keep it crispy and that'll get you 10% off your order I like the everyday plus and the everyday advance because with the everyday advance uh, the bottle the big bottle is a little bit more expensive but you only have to take literally two three drops I put a couple drops on my hand I lick it off that's all you need uh, and I get the mint chocolate flavor tastes like a thin mint but makes you feel even better that's it guys go check out the big sick let's really give them a huge open for my dear dear friends Emily and Kumail and Judd oh shit I just closed the second ad from our wonderful friends at Squarespace you know our friends at Squarespace I want to thank you guys uh, for listening and thank you Squarespace for your sponsorship you guys whatever your next big idea is count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life whether you need a portfolio that showcases your work a store to sell your products and services or a blog to share your ideas Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like the expert you are right from the start you even get a unique domain which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you plus with their award-winning templates creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process you can add and arrange your content with and, uh, and all the features you need with the click of a mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And if you do have a question, they have award-winning customer support available to you 24-7. That means any time. They're your own IT department. So show your support for this show and get your dream off the ground with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com. Use offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's offer code WEIRD. All right, guys, enjoy Anthony and Tamanik. Watch the President Show. Watch the Big Sick. Try a Pete's Pick. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, and people were wondering if, if we missed an episode last week. We just took it off for the holiday. I, I thought that was normal. I asked Katie. I was like, what are the other shows doing? They were taking off. We took off. We've got plenty of episodes. We're still not going to miss a week. And uh, this is a great one to come back to. Hope you had a good holiday. Get into it. Get into it. Okie dokie, Smokey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate. It. Are you silly beans? Uh, I, <laughs> what? What? It, yeah. What are you doing? You. What are you oh, doing? What now? am I doing right no, now? This week. That I mean, you know, I'm I'm shooting the show, and here we yeah. are on a weekend, Saturday, one p.m. Thank you kindly. 
Uh, my wife's disappointed in me that I'm not home. Uh, you don't have any kids, though, do you? No, God, no. So it's just, it's just a lady. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just a grown woman. It's just a disappointed grown woman. <laughs> it's just a grown woman that's a little like, yeah, I thought we were going to hang out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I get that feeling, too. Val and I were on the couch, and we were like, let's just cancel everything. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you a quote that changed my life? What? Jimmy Kimmel on this podcast said, if it's in the calendar, I don't want to do it. Yes. Isn't that good? It's the truest. That's the truest Isn't that thing the, ever. Didn't I just change your life? It yes. fills a gap in everyone's vocabulary. It's like, it could be your birthday party. Yes. And you don't want to do it because it's scheduled. It's seven. I got I to gotta be there. Yeah. It's seven o'clock. I got to go. I don't want to do anything. Who wants to do anything? That someone wants me to do. Yes. I want, I like to discover. Oh, and, Alex, do you have notes? I'm sorry. You like to discover a note, piece of paper? And by discover, I mean wander around high. I think I'm going to discover something, then not, then get depressed around six, and then go back to my house and say, why did I waste the day? (laughs) That's so funny. These are our choices. But like right in the first three seconds, we've uncovered life. The choices are (laughs) we can be like Data from the Starship Enterprise and and go from here to here and be like... NCC-1701. Is that his real name? Well, no, but that's the Enterprise that he was on. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Have I uncovered a secret passion? Oh, my God. Old Yellow Eyes is back. Brent Spiner's <laughs> album where he sang songs as Data with the cast of Next Generation. He did? Yeah, that's a real album. Old <laughs> Yellow Eyes is back. He sung standards. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> there was such a beautiful nerd core thing about Next Generation. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever talked about that. I used to love watching reruns of it. Meaning, like, they loved any excuse to put on vests and time travel. Yes, Or yes. drink martinis Lots or of sing linen. standards. Lots of linen. Yeah. <laughs> There is a lot of aliens wore linen, linen suits, linen vests. They wanted to. Sli- they wanted it. This well, was a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, well, There's great equality and a lot of linen. Yes. And a lot of people. Equality also means everybody fucks on the planet. That's like a big thing. Like so many planets were sexually open. Oh, is that true? Yes. That's another nerd thing. Yeah, and I say that course. with love. Is like they, they want an excuse to have a watch fob. <laughs> they want an excuse to swing dance. <laughs> like who. things that are like great fun. Like yes. I don't know if you've ever been swing dancing. It's great I fun. Have in the 90s. In the 90s. It, I... <laughs> it's, it's great fun. And they love fucking. There's like the nerd cliche to me is like the soft couple that's like a little bit more erotic than oh, you yeah, want them like to a, be. Yeah, a doughy couple with a too much doughy hair. and coarse. Corsets, like yes. she's in a corset yes. at Comic Con, and in like purple lipstick. Yes, yeah. hypersexual, and, and then he's like, you know, we're not possessive. <laughs> you know, and you're, like, ah! you're like, get away. <laughs> and then you see them near the bathroom, and you're like, forget it. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> Just near any bathroom together, <laughs> yes. suspicious. Yes. But we can either plan our lives or we can float around. Yes. And isn't that one of the appeals of drugs? Is you're taking so many options off the table. Yes, that's <laughs> so true. You really are taking most options. Off the table with drugs. I mean, do you yeah. enjoy I, like when I, I don't saw smoke you, like, as much pot now as I used to? Yeah, but you still tell you I, this is not that sort of show. I'm not like, but you enjoy no, no, the talky talk. No, I'm saying I don't like. I had a period where my life was like retirement. I <laughs> it was. I literally lived like a retiree. I worked 15 hours a week, and I was just high, floating around all the so time. Funny. And so to now live a life where like that, like being high is like. Yeah. Also associated with panic now because you're like, I won't be able to get done what I need well, to do. Well, what if do. the phone rings? Like, you're, yeah. you're making your show, and if somebody were like, uh, we need a pickup, and you're yeah. high, yeah, it's that's a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah, so you now have to schedule 
that time, which makes you not want to do it, which means I'm clean and sober. (laughs) We are full circle. If you want to quit drinking or smoking, just put it in your calendar. Yeah, for an addict, that's what to do. Schedule it and say it's a requirement, and they'll go, no, no. You have to. Yeah, yeah, no, I won't do it then. I'll blow it But that feeling where you're like, sorry, I'm stoned, or, you know, I said to Emily Gordon once, I was like, sometimes I think I get drunk. I haven't had a drink, actually, in a couple months. Well, congratulations. Thank you freely (laughs) and kindly. It's mostly health. Can I tell you what happened? I'm I'm 38, and I realized if I drink today, I'm going to drink tomorrow. That's it. Uh It's not like I'm the most exciting, like, uh, drunk person. Like, I don't get in fights, and I don't cause trouble or say things I regret, for the most part. Uh, But, like, I will, if I get it in me, I'll drink the next day and the next day. And you just roll and roll and roll. That's enough. Why wouldn't you want that feeling is the thing. So I go, like, I guess I can't handle it. That's the most boring version of I can't handle it that I can offer you. I mean, it's actually the most common, but you know what's the most common version? Yeah, yeah. I mean... When my, uh, you know, my dad's sober, and we used to go to, you know, the the rooms when I was little. Rooms. He would take me the AA rooms. I'd oh. go with him. Oh, no to way. learn about his recovery. Is that right? Yeah, he'd Is take that, me. Okay. Yeah. And so he's sober like thirty two years. Alcohol so. Anonymous yeah. and Anthony. But he was NA. But <laughs> he was a. NA, which is even crazier. Narcotics Anonymous. So it was all former uh, or still uh, bikers. Tons of bikers. Really. So it was all these guys who'd be like. So you'd think that they would all be crazy stories, right? Yes, yes. There'd be one or two guys who'd be like, my old lady, you know, yeah. fucking shot heroin and blah, blah, blah. Right. And but, we'd put the map yeah. to the bank as a tattoo <laughs> on the back of my thigh. And then the but baby, it was upside down. The baby died in the freezer, so <laughs> we couldn't go rob the bank. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad I'm clean and sober oh, four God. months. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Something insane. But most of them, even <laughs> in their wild. frame... Even in their their biker scary frame, yeah, it would be like I just feel uh, empty because I feel tired because I just drink too much. Really? You know what I'm saying? Just and something basic. The, munda- the, the mundaneness of most people's compulsions is is actually uh, what prevents us from, I think, evolving a little bit as a culture. The mundaneness of people's because we want them to be more splashy. You mean? Yeah, we don't think we have a problem unless it's a big problem. Buddy, this—that's why I preface that by saying I'm 38. Meaning, yeah. it's taken me, and you know, this podcast has heard me talk many times about how I'm not not drinking right now, or then right. I'm like, I'm, I've been drinking a lot, or whatever yeah. it might be. So I go back and forth. Right. But right now, I feel great. Good. And I I got that thing where I was like, it's not that I can't not have two glasses of wine. I can't. Right. But I will have two tomorrow and right. the next day. As soon as it's in. Right. As soon as it's in, I just go like, that's yeah. the thing. Some people have that for pot. I remember yeah. the Chris Farley story. He said when he first smoked pot, he was like, why wouldn't you want to feel that way every day? And he just yeah. smoked every day for years and years. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's why he became a drug addict. But right. we had well, these unsexy. That's not why. But it was yeah, it's a, not why. a clear indicator of, of another. Right? Deeper. I mean, it's always the route to like the drug is just no. I mean, whatever it is, it doesn't. And and listen, I mean, I'm not some person who's in the you know teaching uh, sobriety right. at a neither of us are. We're doing borderline right. offensive <laughs> NA impression yeah, shares. Exactly. That's when my old lady, some my guy listening lady. to take a break from his big biker route, <laughs> time to listen to Pete. Oh man, he's doing me. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess I better hit the bar. What's the point anymore? I'll have a makers put the frozen baby in there. I love also how he's half uh, like 99 or who's like or whatever 
of that gold rusher. Yeah. He's like half like, gonna get that gold, yeah, yeah, yeah. and half like my old lady. <laughs> we, we didn't we make a know. choice, but we made know. a choice to make no choice. <laughs> made a cho- my He's old a t- lady won't <laughs> give me my pickaxe when I'm looking for them gold. <laughs> He's a timeless character. <laughs> He's anything. <laughs> but, um, uh, You're not a, a model of sobriety. But... I mean, I'm not a model of sobriety, uh, but I've moved in and out of that. And the thing I'll say, though, is like, at least what I've caught on to um, in listening to you say that is like the worst part is when or the best part is if you can navigate a period that you don't feel good, that it isn't great Mm. and you're not having a whatever substance brings you back to that state of stepping away from yourself. Right. Only because I have experienced it in my life and it is interesting to be clear. To just just be clear during a bad time. to navigate a really bad time. And I always try to remind myself of that if I ever feel like I'm getting into the edge of, you know, uh, uh, having that thing of like, I had rosé tonight. I'll have some rosé tomorrow night. Well, you know, I'm on the train. I better have a, yeah, Bloody Mary's on the train. Uh And you have all these reasons why you have to do it too. You are smoking the truth. And you chase, and you chase back that feeling of exhaustion. Cause even if Chris Farley said it, there's no person in the world. I don't care how much pot you smoke that you aren't exhausted at a certain point from getting, I mean, getting high is exhausting. (laughs) It's exhausting (laughs) on the body. I just, it just takes a toll. It takes a toll. I mean, it you ever get you high and you're like, foggy? I'm back here? Oh, <laughs> that's the majority. I actually, that's what's happening now. Because you're chasing the can't. dragon. Yeah. David O'Doherty has this amazing song called Life. <laughs> you barf. You just vomit everywhere. <laughs> he has this song called Life where he goes, <laughs> is that weed? No. That's, God, that no, would be so no, funny. No, tobacco. He goes, uh, sometimes life is beautiful. Sometimes it's getting drunk unexpectedly in, in the middle of the afternoon. And I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. the opposite of what we were saying with Kimmel, putting it in the calendar. So it's spontaneous. Yes. These are the parts of happiness. These yes. are, this is like a recipe for yes. happiness. Spontaneous. Yes. We like that. Yes. We like going like, I wasn't planning on having white wine with this lunch. Exactly. And then that meeting got canceled, and then I realized I didn't have anything yeah. to do. Yes, I will have another glass. Yeah. And then you make out and with the waitress. it's a beautiful day. Beautiful. You, you make out, you yeah. grab the waitress. <laughs> it's funny, as Trump, I don't think I want you saying you grab the waitress. Grab <laughs> a couple of tic-tacs. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of feeling. But when Louis C.K. did that bit, which I thought was a great sober bit, yeah. he was like, I just don't want another thing. Yeah. Like, he's like, ah, shit. You're like on a plane and you realize you don't have your edibles or, you, yes. or there's no drink service the or whatever. The new thing you have to. The thing. Yeah. It's yeah, something, that's so something true. somewhere else that you're waiting for to be like. And you know what? I'm full of shit, too, because I'm like, oh, they don't have anything that's healthy to eat, even if you are being healthy. You're like, they yeah. don't have any fucking fruit on this yes. Amtrak. Yes. I got a, well, I got a soggy hot dog. That's all I got. Well, you know, we'll love those. I mean, those soggy hot dogs. I don't eat, I wouldn't eat a soggy oh, hot dog. A soggy <laughs> hot dog. You don't want to know a soggy hot dog on an Amtrak with some fucking stale sun chips oh. and a Bloody Mary. <laughs> That's, that, mean, that means you're heading to the nation's capital. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're going to the heart of the modern Western democracy. That's so funny. Uh, but uh, to connect to the that thing, that thing yeah. uh, it, I mean, does it, that connects to, in me, my head, that whole idea that I guess, like, I don't know, New Agers do this with it, but I think it's sort of a Buddhist concept. Is like no expectations, no stake in the outcome mm. is... I used to do the same thing when I would get super healthy, right? 
then it would be like, well, I've got a juice. I've got to drink the juice. I've got to go for the run. Right. I've got to have the coffee. And then if one thing was off, You're angry. then the narrative in my head was, I'm angry. What's the point of all of this? It's Funny. all slipping away. Why is it so sad sometimes? The feeling of life for me is something simple isn't working. And yes. despair floods in. Yes. Like completely. And it's a tiny moment. These yeah. are these micro moments that no yeah. one talks about. Very lonely. Because yes. I know we all have them. Oh, for me, it's like <laughs> when you're texting and you write a word and it's it, it's the word. You spelled it correctly. Yes. But then it changes it. Then yes. you delete it. Then you do it again and, and it does it, it again. It. And it does it a third time. And on the yeah. third time, you just put your head down and you're like, no. <laughs> Yes. Just for a yes. second. You swallow a rage. No. An actual rage. An actual like, rage. At nothing. At it's nothing. Nothing. But if you're like to your point, if you're being healthy, now you can't get a carrot and you're upset. Yes. And to your point with the Buddhist thing, there's a Lao Tzu thing that I say to myself all the time. I hope I'm saying Lao Tzu correctly. Yes. But he goes, uh, a holy man is not intent on arriving. Yeah. Just meaning you're saying no expectations on the outcome. Yeah. I'm going, if I have my juice, I will be a good boy. <laughs> I won't go to bed and be a good boy. Yes. Good boy, thank you. You don't have juice. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's the same bullshit. It's, it's, this, it's the prospector Sorry. guy it's again really in the bar going, my old lady. Or me going like, kale. Yeah. It's bullshit. Well, it's a bullshit, but it's your Either stare. way, you're trapped. Yeah, but it's also the narrative of the human psyche. I mean, you're also talking about... The fact that part of our existence is crafting a justifiable narrative to some story pad the emotional ambiguity. sort of ambiguity and, and sort of a weather patterns that we exist. So <laughs> we have these emotional weather patterns that yes. we think are we think I believe this are driven by experience. But my argument would be most emotional weather patterns are actually existing just like the weather and we are attaching justifications to them and if we understood that they just pass like any storm system if we had the ability to pause from them which is like step a practice outside. and step outside yeah. of it you could be like okay i'm feeling this it doesn't mean i need to take action the whole rule is uh, in my therapy is you have this feeling that's not one you're into. It's yeah. like, and then you have to look at why am I not into it? Why do I perceive this one as negative? Well, it makes me feel like I have vinegar in my body, or yeah. it makes yeah. my head hurt. Like, there's actually physiological reasons we don't like certain feelings, right? Mm -hmm. They they give us spikes up our spine tension. or whatever. You feel cold. Yeah, you feel tension, thin, cold, you feel, dizzy, yeah. right? It's dropping in the. Stomach. And you're looking to get it out of just like eating of a hot course. dog on the Amtrak. It's like, what do I do? I yell at yeah, it. Shut the soggy one in. <laughs> they should have all hot dog contests. On Amtrak's cause because the buns are pre soaked. <laughs> this is so easy. Yeah, everyone's putting down fourteen. Well, looks like this is this is like doping for hot dog eating contests. These guys should be allowed to do this on the Amtrak. Uh, he's been disqualified. He's been eating exclusively Amtrak dogs. So, well, for the fourth year, Lee Hung Kim wins. <laughs> Come on, let's face taking it. it down in one bite. Let's be honest, it's going to be an Asian guy. It's going to be the fattest Asian guy you've ever seen. Oh, but still, not that fat. <laughs> not as fat as you still want him to be. Not as fat, no. Nope. Like if I said this guy ate 500 hot dogs in 40 minutes, you're going to picture a fatter guy. Yeah, no, He's not doing just okay. Oval Asian. <laughs> but oh, you're God. saying, I love <laughs> Oval Asian. Yeah. <laughs> like the Oval Office. Yes. This is yes. the Oval Office. This is an Oval Asian. <laughs> I keep walking. Keep and we walking. have respect for both of them. <laughs> I can't believe they let Trump into the Oval Asian. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they have. 
<laughs> so I love what you're saying, though. Yeah. Because I, we just started shooting the show. And for the first couple of days, I was just in a funk. Mm-hmm. I, I said to Valerie, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like non-circumstantial. Like, I, I was really kind of feeling a little... Dis- I love the word despondent. I was feeling yeah. just a little despondent. Just yeah. the, the feeling of the third text correction. Yes. Because you're sitting there, and it's your... You know when you're a kid, and it's your birthday party? And you're supposed to be excited. And you're supposed and to be excited, not. and you're like... I, I, I want to be clear that I was and, and very grateful. I never lost that. Let's just yeah. be clear. I, not for poli- political reasons. I slap you for well, my hand. <laughs> I, was, I was maintaining the feeling of excitement, but I was still kind of like, why do I feel just a little off? Yeah. And I think it speaks to what you're saying. There's these yeah. swirls that are going on, yeah. deep psychological things, yes. things that we see that remind us of repressed memories or whatever Amygdala responses, they call them. Is that what it is? Deep well, in the brain. deep in the brain, there's two things. Associations, which are called amygdala reactions, where essentially the amygdala is deep in the brain and it's triggering. It has a, a relationship with our circadian clock. So like you might have had some sort of traumatic or, or uplifting or whatever kind of event that happened on a specific day, yeah. right? Yeah. And you pass that day, but you don't consciously remember it. Buddy, but then that whole day, you that's feel a certain way. Where yeah. I go, wait a minute. Today's my wedding anniversary. Yeah. And isn't that fucking weird? Or you yeah. go, this is the birthday of an ex-girlfriend today. Yeah. And it just like upsets you. Well, because there's a passenger that is yourself that knows way more than you know. I know. That is riding and watching you exist. Right. Loves you completely. Doesn't judge you. And it's, and it's simply without any perspective or passion beyond absolute and total love watches you. <laughs> You're talking about like a soul place. No, I'm talking about your actual physiological system is set You're up. You're talking about like what we might call a soul, but in your brain, just a subconscious observer. Yes, it is a thing that does not understand the machinations of our attachments to the way the world operates. So it's or, throwing us a feeling about an ex-girlfriend yeah, on her birthday, it, it and it's not doing know. it maliciously. No, it likes it. That part, in my view, goes, I like this. Let's see what pain's like. Let's see what this yeah. is like. And it's selecting them and associating them and ordering them because its job is to create order. Right. It builds the world for us. Yeah. It is the thing that builds the world. Well, that's what Every I, second of every day. And that's why it likes rules it likes winnable of games course. so we have these weather systems you're saying your your hypothesis is that these emotional weather systems are happening just like the weather yes and we can't really control them fully yes and we're trying to add a narrative i'm going oh this is because of this and if i get rid of it it'll become become yeah. of this but i wonder we is this why you think sometimes i notice that people are feeling the same way like yeah. I, I wonder if there is something we're all in we maybe we sync up like well, menstrual I think we cycles. sync up yes of course like menstrual cycles <laughs> yeah, where I love going. menstrual cycle have you been yet it's so great <laughs> it's like cell cycle but the seat has a pad on it <laughs> that's, that's what it is that's menstrual cycle <laughs> I've been there they're really mean they're yelling at you to bike and you're not going anywhere and boy are you bleeding from the vagina <laughs> the vagina Oh, my God. I'm letting you own that entire part of that. No. <laughs> that is yours. Oh, you mean I can own it. Like, that's my fault. It's both yours and your fault. <laughs> but then, you know, what's funny is I also noticed that it was cold and, and rainy. This, yeah. they, this, again, though, might just be me going, like, it's cold and rainy, and therefore I was feeling a little bit low. Well, that's for you, because, like, my wife loves, like, an overcast day. Yeah. She's jacked by it. Really? Yes. She loves it. She'll be like, it's certain overcast days, she'll, she'll, not all of them, she'll be like, isn't it beautiful? And I'll be like, really? I want to fucking blow my brains out. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's so nice. It's so soft. And so it has to do with perspective, I think, obviously, where Absolutely. a person comes from. But yeah. I think that, to your point, I mean, the same way I'm, I think animals sense 
storms and earthquakes and things like that. We're animals. So, like, we also probably have collective emotional states partly by our proximity, our geographical location, the weather, uh, the amount of pressure. I mean, we don't want to pretend that we're that sort of basic. Susceptible. But, like, even the pressure systems determine how we feel. Right. I know. When someone goes, well, it's a super bloom. And you're like, well, yeah, I have been, like, the Santa Ana's, man. I... Really yes. was affected by the Santa Anas when I lived way? in L.A. Just every oh, year, I would... would feel like fucking static was all over my face yeah. for days. Really? And I remember saying it once when I worked at Henson. I worked, uh, went into the, my boss, Wilt John, and I said, uh, man, I feel just fucking crazy. He goes, Santa Anas, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, okay. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I'll buy that. Well, it's yeah. that statistic that sometimes comes up on the show, which is like when it's a full moon the crime rate like goes up considerably, mm-hmm. and you could say this is this is a nice little example. You can go into just like hard facts, just subjective reality, and say, well, the full moon is light, and you can see more, and then uh-huh. you go and you see your marks better, right? Or you say that there's something, the same thing that's pulling the waters of the ocean, you it's know, pulling on is us, pulling on us, and we're made of water, and there's some sort of like I just got to get the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah. and rub somebody, yeah, you know, like because I don't know, yeah, I think it's more driven by the pineal gland. I think the light. Is the the first one is more correct? The first one, but it, I don't but think you, it's not just seeing at night. I think it's that it's, uh, it excites light. us. Yes, uh, yeah. the, you know the pineal gland is the thing that processes light. Yeah, and I mean uh, it's like an eye. It's like an eyeball. It's the eyeball, and they can't they say that the membrane even on it has the same material as what's in our eye. That was so close to being an eye. It was close to being an eye, and uh, in Egypt they called it Osiris's lantern. And that's why one of the wise men had a lantern. Oh, there you go. In the parable. I have a pine. I bet you know this one too. Well, it looks like a pine cone, pine hill, which is where it gets the pine part of the pine hill, I believe. Mm -hmm. And this is why you see pine cones fucking everywhere. If you go to the Vatican, there's a huge pine cone in the middle, like the most prominent spot. There's like a gigantic, I'm guessing it's brass or copper, pine cone. Looks very Egyptian. Yeah. And you notice it's everywhere. Go to a fancy hotel. All of the banisters are pine cones. Yes. The Pope's staff has a pine cone, and then it has Jesus on top yes. of it. Like, uh, the head of the Buddha yes. looks like a beehive, also looks like a pine cone. Yes. Now we're just a YouTube video. No, we're not. <laughs> we are. We are. But you know that that And the Taco cone... Bell logo has three sexes in it. <laughs> and Siva and Avis reversed, and Kennedy was shot right past the Avis. <laughs> That's a real conspiracy. It is? Yeah. Ah! Uh... Crazy, crazy ones. Need it. Well, this that that's kind of a perversion of our enjoyment. You talk about building reality. Yes. One of the reasons I love conspiracies is it's just it's just an exaggeration. It's like a methed up version of let's really think everything has a meaning. Yeah, of course. Let's apply a hyper narrative to this. Jesus didn't die on the cross. He went into the cave and then he was because it was Passover and he came out and he and that's why he looked like he had risen from the dead. Yes. Passover plot. Great conspiracy. (laughs) You were saying though. Yeah. Well, I think I'm. With you in the sense of like... The pineal thing. Oh, well, the pineal thing, but it, I'll... No, yes, go, the, go where you want. The, also, that they did double as beehives because uh, they also would use the same symbol for the hive. So the hive mind, the idea that there's a whole like a whole world within the yes. pine cone, which yeah. just means that going inward in there is as important as outward here. Yeah. So that like phrase, as above, so below, right? It's like you could take the human mind and say there's like a fine point right where the bindi would be or whatever, right? Yeah. And a whole a triangle moves out from us that makes the world, our field of vision, right? you ever right? think about it? But then an inward yes. triangle moves inward into our mind. Shut your fuck. And that's a full inward expression of, the, of a world we don't consciously perceive. And this is the one that's going... 
it's the birthday of yeah. your ex-girlfriend. Yes, it's the birthday of your ex-girlfriend. But they, you're absolutely right. What, what a man thinks he becomes, I believe. Yes. Emerson, I'm and, not sure. And this point, the point of which uh, uh, the peaks of both triangles that yes. intersect with each other, imagine that... If it looks like an hourglass, there's one shooting out. Yes, yes. And then there's one going in. Yes, and the, so and the tips, midpoint... Just the tip. Just the, the two tips. The tips are just touching. Ass to ass. Just like us right now. <laughs> Our tips are touching. That's a fun part of the podcast you don't know. If I could get erect, I would dock <laughs> with you right now. <laughs> it's been a weird week. <laughs> we, there should be a show called Dockcast where two uncircumcised guys have to have... <laughs> A whole conversation with their dicks like slotted into each other, <laughs> regardless of their that's, sexual orientation. That's how you should shake hands on a big deal. <laughs> Every I shake hands with with homeless people that I give money. Like, hey, yeah. I, I want to close a deal with you yeah, over like countries and the fates of people. Let's dock. Let's dock our dicks. And let's also admit that when we shake someone's hand on the street, yes. as much as there's two competing experiences, one. Is I'm the man of the people. I, yeah. I'm shaking this person's hand. I'm a good person. As you put it in and a ziplock bag. <laughs> is I'm getting hepatitis yeah. as I'm doing this. And they're both true. I and know. they're both true. Both are true. You're a human being. I shouldn't do this. Yes. You're just a person. Let me yes. shake your hand. And then I'm also like, am I Anthony. going to get an irreversible disease I, that will kill me? I've had, uh, uh, I don't want to say, I was going to say hobo to be funny. I've had homeless people hugs. I like hobo. It sounds cute. Like, hobo. It's, fun. it's a Halloween costume. <laughs> it's a child. I'm a hobo. I I'm ride the rails. I'm a hobo. So I hugged a homeless guy on a shoot once. Uh, this was years and years and years ago. And it was so nice. And it really was a sweet moment. And then I just turned to the PA. I was like, Puro. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I didn't do it for him to hear. But like, let's be real. This is a sandwich commercial. And I have to pick up food now. Or whatever it was. God, it's true. But, but it's true. If Okay, so we're picturing okay. an X that makes, so that point makes two and triangles, the X. and in the middle is the pineal. Bone. So imagine this, though. Imagine that that bindi, that part of your consciousness that defines and paints this static into the reality we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is doing all that work through that very tiny space. Mm. In other words, it's a very small window from which all of the whole of reality, which is inside, gets pushed out and manifested into what that's we right. perceive. That's right. And I think that's a miracle that we even function. Of course. Because it's such a small sliver of the possibility that comes from within the brain. But it's the biggest miracle. This is, is the, the miracle, miracle that keeps me... And we'll get to God. And we can talk about God the whole time. I don't care. Sure. But we always talk about God. But for me, I'm, I, I interpret it through a spiritual vocabulary. Sure. Because I'm like... Oh, look at us. Of course, it just feels like these things went into these things to experience these things. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, you assign an intent to it. I do assign intent, I okay. suppose. And we, and we can get to that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it. I'm just <laughs> refining it, making sure I understand. But aside from any sort of metaphysical interpretation, right. it, there is a phenomenon going on where a very small piece of our brain, which is like an eyeball – takes all this information in and make like uh, Ram Dass, who I love. Do you know who Ram yes, Dass is? Yes, I do. He talks about if you're hungry and you drive through a town, you notice all the restaurants. If you're horny, you notice all the all the makeable people. Yes. And if you're... I uh, thought you were going to say the whorehouses. <laughs> or the whorehouses. I would love a town made up of restaurants and whorehouses. Uh, well, have you been to Omaha? <laughs> Somebody in Omaha. <laughs> oh, hey, you're making fun of me. How dare you? We're really uptight. We only have whorehouses. No restaurants for us. <laughs> Um, <laughs> building reality. Uh, I forget. Oh, so he's saying 
clearly we we feel that phenomenon where we shift how we're perceiving things. I'm yes. sure you have this all the time oh, on yeah. your show, oh, which is God. you're in a bad mood or whatever, and you have to go like like I was feeling. I was feeling yeah. low, and I was like, "Fucking snap out of it!" Like reset. Yeah, the pre- you have to reset the well it, at the president show, which I definitely want to mention. The president show on Comedy <laughs> Central, starring Anthony and Nick. <laughs> you know what is it? Howard Stern said I should change my name to Adirondack. Anthony Adirondack. He hates my last name. So and Tamanick. <laughs> a Tamanick. A Tamanick. I just say, it's like Kurt Braunholer. It doesn't matter. Braunholer. Kurt's name is... Braunholer. Is it Braunholer? It's Braunholer. Braunholer? Braunholer. It's a different I've known role. him for, what, for, I, for like 15 years. Yeah, but you just said yours, and I'm going to say Antamonic. Yeah, I don't care. And that's <laughs> something I really truly do not... People go, how could you say that? Your last name. I'm like, first off, it has no relationship to anything. My grandmother had that name. When she, just from a previous marriage, yeah. the people who fathered the guy who fathered my dad is not an ant- an Atamanic. You almost, I almost say it. <laughs> are you? Is this where we find out it's all a ruse? It's all a ruse. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't. Sp- I, I really couldn't spell my name until I was like in like seven or eight years old. Oh, really? Yeah, always misspelled it. <laughs> always mis- so like for me, it's irrelevant. I don't really give a fuck. I don't care. But I why? Just don't. Why? I why get, do I keep it? Yeah, you know, it was too. I didn't understand. I don't know. I grew up how I grew up. The notion of changing your name yeah. just didn't even enter my mind. Yeah, and I honestly, was old enough. I was like, I don't want to go through changing my social security card and all the bullshit you have to do. Well, basically, people are saying, why don't you go to the DMV? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's well, like, because I don't want to go to the DMV. like, yeah, why don't you get involved in a bureaucratic governmental yeah. system? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to fill up paperwork. I don't even do my – oh, well, I've – have done my taxes, but like for years, I just wouldn't do my taxes. I figured when they really want the money, they'll come and ask for it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I do not want to do again. Back to the calendar. <laughs> if you tell me I have to do it, my goal is die before I have to get it done. Yeah, have you always been that way? Yes. Was school difficult? Uh, school was I mean, in that and out. Like sc- what do you mean? In and out difficult in the oh. sense that when I was really engaged and when I saw. Learning, like I actually was quite a math whiz up until like oh, seventh one grade. One of those math whizzes. But I dropped off. I I could not do anything now. But I was doing like in seventh grade. I was doing like junior year high school math. Is this one of those times where we're going to go? Like, why didn't? Well, yeah, who cares? Sometimes no, I, go, I think about why didn't I ever go? I always my dream was that I would become a theoretical physicist. Really? Yeah. And it, no way. But it's a full dream. I mean, like we're talking yeah, but- junior high was the last time I was fully engaged in science and math. And then I just had a massive shift to history and English. Those are my focuses. I always did well in science. I, you know. But what happened? Um, I switched a lot of schools. I, you know, I went to uh, a number. I mean, I would go for like four years to a private school, Fairweather Street School. Then um, I went to a private school for a year that was like too snobby, and uh, I started to skip school. So I repeated seventh grade because I skipped. What does snobby mean? Strict? It was yeah. I mean, Fairweather was like a hippie, crunchy school in Cambridge, Mass. That was like Montessori inspired. I'm from uh, Chelsea, Mass. I went to Cambridge Friends School. Oh, you went to Cambridge Friends? Yeah. Well, I went to Fairweather Street School. I don't know that Do you one. know Beaver Country Day? Yeah, yeah, Beaver Country Day. I went to Beaver for you a year. You did? And I fucking hated it. I hated Beaver so fucking much. It was so awful. I feel like we they used to play mean. Beaver in sports or something. Lacrosse, probably. Yeah. Is that, is that that's a uh, great school? They were Newton. No, they went up to high school. High school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the Ringe and Latin kids would play Beaver. The worst. The fucking worst. So then I went up to the North Shore to Glen Urquhart School. Uh Uh-huh. 
and I met my best friend Dave, uh, who I'm still friends, just was writing with today. Uh-huh. And uh, this was where the scheming came in. He was my Latin teacher's son, okay, my Mrs. Bullivant. <laughs> and I thought he was, um, I thought he had Down syndrome. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, no. And I went to befriend him. Uh, thinking I could befriend him. Like me hugging homeless then, people. You're like, then, I'm going to go I'm out gonna and I'm going to be the one. Him. And then she'll like me and she'll give me a good grade in class because I took pity on yeah, her yeah, son. Yeah. This is what For I thought. Heart. And I went up to him and he was like on this structure and I was like, hey man, how you doing? And he's like, hey, I, I'm Dave. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, he's oh, <laughs> Imagine. This is really... You've this... never been disappointed. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a strange feeling. It was... It was... Uh, uh, it was... I also knew that what my intent was was not right. Like I knew right. what I was doing You were being was like wrong. a politician. Yes. This will be a good press. This will be a good press. And, and then Dave and I, we talked for three hours on that structure. It was like this thing called the structure that we all played. For the on. first two hours, you were just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, no, no. Instantly. <laughs> I was instantly like, oh, and we, I mean, within two weeks, we're like tight. You In know. that first conversation, did you say, I know this is strange, but I thought you had Down syndrome. No. I told Dave that <laughs> years and years later. It's still a... Uh, a story we tell where Dave's like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that's the n- root of our friendship is you're an idiot. Yeah. Stop doing that. That's yes. Dave. Yeah. And I am like, hey, let's, I'm, the, I'm the dog that jumps around Dave in the Warner <laughs> Brothers cartoon, <laughs> punching him and bothering him and him just su- kind of suffering it until he knocks me out. <laughs> you know? Uh, and has this, this become a comedy partner person? No, no. No, I just mean, a buddy. Uh, I mean, he is very. He we, we did theater and was creative through high school and all that. But he he moved on and is like a big. He's all. He's a real math mind. He does like massive oil trading or something. I don't really, really understand what he does. But <laughs> I talk to him about it sometimes. You've never really understood him. No, I've never understood. No, I just know he does things that are complex with trading and and you know he had like savings account he had a savings account when we were in eighth grade he had like money and stuff and i had like 10 bucks to like yeah rub together for a month but the point being is that i was we you know i always like avoiding class i liked i it wasn't the act of learning that bothered me it was the personalities of the teachers and the restriction on how the content was sort of pushed out does that make sense I wanted to look at what I wanted to look at when I wanted to look at it. Like a grown-up. Yes. Right. So I didn't understand. I'm not in the mood for yeah, math. Yeah, I don't want you to make. Or also, like, I want to read this book. This book's five weeks into the class. I'd rather read this first. I don't really want to read, you know, Crucible first. I'd rather, I'm not feeling Crucible right now. <laughs> and it was like, no, you have to read it in this order. And so yeah. I got very not into, I mean, I was Nixonian. We used to get these things called yellow slips if you didn't do your homework. And I would um, collect them, never turn my homework in, and then burn them in a metal bucket in my backyard. What? As if so there was no evidence that I had the yellow slips. And then, of course, my mother would get a phone call. It would be like, your son is like 15 yellow slips, two detentions, and like we haven't received any of them signed. And then my mother would be like, you've betrayed me. You are lying. Like, <laughs> like that was the rhythm of my childhood. It was like, You're like going a along. Man. Yeah, going along, doing well. Everything's good. Giving the illusion 
illusion that everything's fine, and then some big shoe would drop, and then everyone would be like, what the fuck? And I'd be like, oh, don't worry, I'll handle it. Damage control. And then I would damage control it back to even, and then start that cycle again. Oh my god. Yeah. So you weren't necessarily a people pleaser. You were a little bit outside of the system. I was a manipulator. Yeah, you were Machiavellian. I was, I was Machiavellian and outside the system. I was a people pleaser. But not afraid of trouble either. No, not afraid of trouble because I knew I could handle trouble. I think this is actually weird. Because you're smarter than them. Yes. <laughs> you knew. You were yes. like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm smarter I think than I'm my smart, teachers. I think I'm smarter than my teachers. I think I know how to, you know. You figured it, because that right there, yellow slips. Yes. That, talk about building reality. Yes. Which everybody is all the time. It's all baloney. It's all yes. fake. Yes. They go, this is a thing. This is a slip of paper. You never see yellow paper. Yellow paper, (laughs) it looks like the sun. It's a thing. It's an event. (laughs) And it says you didn't do something in the past. Yes. Which is just a mishmash of vague memories. That's already gone. We recall differently. Yes. You said this. I said this. But this paper says that we remember it the same way. Now show it to your mother who wasn't even there. This matters. Yes. And I was the kind of kid that went, this matters. And I had to do it. And you were like, I'm putting this in a pail. Yeah. Yes. And burning it. And burning it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, and and knowing it doesn't matter, like knowing it does matter, but refusing to accept that system. And you refuse to accept the the rules of the game. Yes. I don't like the rules of the game. I mean, this is probably where the Trump impression lines up most with me. Yeah. Like in terms of him and me, in terms of personality, is I would agree that I'm a different side of. Yes. This idea of like, eh, it'll get figured out. Right. I'm not dealing with this. This is what I want to do. I eat Oreos. I, yeah, I eat Oreos. All I want to do is eat take five bars. Yeah, I want to eat take, oh, take five. Good bar. Give me a Heath bar and then wash it down with a take Ooh, five. The beverage of candy bars is take five. <laughs> a Clark if you can find it. <laughs> we can't. Who can find a Clark anymore? You'd be more likely to find a Rolo. <laughs> well, that's interesting to me. I want to be very clear. We, can I, wait, I yeah. need to stop you just for Please. a second. So <laughs> I have like a little candy dish at the front of the office before we go into my office. Uh-huh. So there's always like, you know, both the regular candies, musketeers, everything. <laughs> Just to tell you this private moment I had alone. It's like the end of the night. I'm like wrapping up. I walk out. So no one's there. Frapping up. I'm frapping up. I'm yeah. like, they handed me my end of day frappuccino. Fo- foamy diarrhea. <laughs> That's what I call <laughs> frapping up. <laughs> oh, God, I'm in here frapping up. <laughs> It looks like a mocha. <laughs> Call nine one one. God, there's ice in this. So, <laughs> why do we all instantly know what it would feel like to shit ice? <laughs> it wouldn't be a direct feeling of coolness on the anus. It would be like oh, the no. memory of coolness from a passing <laughs> yes, block of ice. Yes, yes. But you'd feel it inside. We've God. never done it, but I can feel it perfectly. It's very poetic what you just said. You know that. It's like that's like a true. That's like a passing ice. A passing. But the memory of the coldness. <laughs> I think poetry sometimes is just how you say it. If I was just yes. like the memory of the coldness of the passing ice, like would be like okay, yeah. Yeah. like everything is poetry. That's one of the things that makes art and poetry so frustrating. Is you could say espresso in a tiny cup, Anthony sips mm-hmm. waiting, mm-hmm. and you can read that and have it really click into where you are in that moment, yes. or you could read it and be like, the fuck is this? I could think that. Yeah, of course. But we need to surrender the thinking line and try and slip into somebody else, which is what art and poetry is trying to invite you to yes. do. Yes. Well, yeah, to step into a different mode and to also to have the commitment to do it, right? Isn't so much of it as commitment. The difference between 
any piece of work that someone does is whether is especially if it has to be delivered is how is it delivered? Yes. It's not about, I mean, how? how? Many, uh, yeah, we've heard how many covers. I mean, back when people actually used to cover music and you'd hear six different versions of, you know. Uh, All along the watch. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, then you would, you, you determine like, what is it? The, the, um, the Beatles did that cover of Twist and Shout, right? Yes. Okay, and so a lot of people love that one. A lot of people are like, that one is like bunk, and whoever the right. other, uh, what's his name? I uh, Chuck Berry, is it? Either or? that or Little Richard. I don't know music history very well. Maybe it is Little Richard. Anyway, the point, I know Little Richard by, thought by the way, that we're they stole the email. <laughs> he was like, that's my shit. Oh, wow, Yeah, really? and you know what? That They're was right. his shit. They're right. That, that was, was his 100% shit. hundred percent Yeah, shit. that's all he and did. Paul McCartney, I'd love to see Paul McCartney's face moments before his first public, <laughs> where he's just kind of like, am I about to do this? Yeah. <laughs> see, that's commitment. Yeah. That's taking someone's thing and go, well, and that's really, I mean, you know, that's the reason Little Richard was so great and down and out in Beverly Hills. Which also had to do with touching a homeless person. <laughs> a homeless person. See the synchronicity? Pre, yes, pre Purell, too. <laughs> it's real. Oh he was God. like, bring me a rag. Yeah, bring, bring me a, a wet rag. rag. Rub Bette Midler on me. <laughs> she seems like a clean woman. Her hair is a natural disinfectant. <laughs> Why did I believe that until the tea and disinfectant? <laughs> the second. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yes, we were saying shitting ice frappuccino when I when you're wrapping oh, up your day. I walk out mm. and in the candy dish that usually has these bullshit candies was almost an entirely full of individually wrapped Rolos. Shut the fuck door. <laughs> Shut, the <laughs> Shut the fuck, fuck door. door. Shut the fuck door. I can see your orgy. Shut that fuck door. <laughs> Rolos. And I had an, a yeah. moment. Uh, privately to myself, where I went, ooh, Rolos. Yeah. I said it alone to myself. You are a beautiful man. <laughs> ooh, Rolos. <laughs> I was so excited. This is how sad I am. I've told this story before. I, I remember when we didn't know what low blood sugar was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're what roughly a, the same age. For so long, we just didn't know, like, God, I, I need an apple or whatever right, it is. Right. I remember walking home one day and being so sugar crazed. Yeah. Because, of course, all I did was drink soda and eat candy all, all the goddamn time. And I'm right. walking home and I got low blood sugar. But I just associated that with... You know, the feelings of withdrawal, basically. I'm like, and I imagined a Rolo the size of a hockey arena and cracking into it and dipping the big chunk. We were also oh, obsessed yeah. with, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and yes, big things. Yes, what if small things. things were big things? You, you've been to the Children's Museum in Boston. Of course, the big milk. <laughs> the big milk. That's all kids want. milk. What if little things were big? <laughs> we will never tire of this idea. Hey, you think you're small now. Wait till I put you on a giant desk blotter. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. I remember there was a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids exhibit that I went with my family. It was one of the first. It actually involves hot dogs. We went <laughs> We went and got these hot dogs, and we were so hungry, and we ate them, and you're getting heartburn while you're yes. eating them, but you're young, and you don't know that yeah. that's like a thing you could avoid <laughs> if you don't eat soggy Amtrak and or Disney World yeah. or hot dogs. And we went to a, a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids exhibit, and you know they get a volunteer, and as a kid, you're like, surely they'll pick me, and they pick someone else to ride the giant bumblebee, and they green screen him into the movie and I was like that should have been me oh. but I'm over here burping pork next to mom and dad <laughs> and my brother but, but I have a question with that did you have a thing where if you had been the kid in the bumblebee you sort of if you had been picked, you would have been like, oh, God, oh, God, now I've got to go in the Bumblebee? No, I would have loved it. You didn't want That's the limelight? No, I always wanted it, 
but then, then I was got it. petrified. Really? Oh, I was. I remember. I don't remember what it was at 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 Disney World because also it was like 1982 or three or whenever mm-hmm. I went. But there was something where you got picked to be involved in it, and I yeah, I, and it was in like a smaller space. I remember my grandpa, and my grandma took me there. And we were standing, and they were like volunteers. And my grandfather was like, "Come on, you know, go for it, Anthony." And I so because I talked all about how I wanted to participate, like a stunt or some sort yeah, yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I wonder if it was the Indiana he, Jones thing. I th- I feel like it was Indiana, yeah, it Jones. Might have been Indiana Jones, and it was really low rent. It was like eighty two. It was just like you stood there while a guy who looked like Indiana Jones was like, you "Yeah, know, hey kid, hey kid," and then, <laughs> and then you were just like, "Hi," and then you left. Right. Uh, but to me, it was. Uh, they shoved me forward and they volunteered me and it went from, oh, yes, to, oh, no, this is now oh real. God. I only enjoyed the part where I thought about the potential of doing it. That's so The funny. doing it, suddenly it was like, oh, there's work and Can I've got to do it right. What a mouthful you just said because th- one of the real dangers for me with pot. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> is you just said there's the idea of doing it. And doing it. And let's picture those as two colors. The idea of doing it is blue and doing it is red. Yes. So when you're thinking like, boy, it would be so fun to, let's say, write a cable access show and just put it up just for the fun of it. Yeah. Sometimes, with or without pot, but pot I think helps, you just start just resting just in the first part and the drug or the, or just the fantasy helps you fully experience yes. it yes. without ever getting close to it. Yes. And, you yes. Just, and and that can be a wonderful thing where you're like, I write music and I don't play it for anybody. Yeah. It's just yeah. for me. Yes. I just sit in my room and I play and that can be lovely. And then there's times where you're just like, what if I got my shit together? And then you just never do because <laughs> yeah. you're always in that blue part. Yeah. Anyway, I understand what you're saying and it's a very different thing when the rubber meets the road. I remember there was a Gilligan's Island thing that I volunteered for, and the guy who was, I was Gilligan, and he was the skipper, and it was, again, it was like a green screen, they were going to make it look like it was raining, and there was a boat, and the guy, uh, like a little bit older than me, like, shoved me out of the frame and was using the oh. the wheel and playing with his hat, and I, like, just kind of, like, was polite, and, and... You, and like, took it. I took it. Yeah. And I swear to you, to this day, I still sometimes think of that kid... And get angry? And I'll be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like you fucking yeah. think you can, uh, yeah. But yeah. You, but where does the performer then come? Because that's what I'm looking for. Obviously, we have you. Get, you're going to work at Jim Henson. Oh yeah, yeah. But gonna, I was a, like an associate producer for internet stuff. But you're still going to be in showbiz. Yes, yes. And you're going to start doing <clears throat> improv. And when I first met you, it was at Nights of Our Lives. I would watch yeah. you tell these amazing stories. You and Curtis Gwynn and, yes. and Gethard and all these amazing people. Yeah. So, but here here you are, too smart. For your own good, burning mm. yellow slips, smarter than your teachers, uh, not needing the limelight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and excelling in other things. Well, wanting I'm, it. Well, can I say that it yeah, was please. that I wanted it within the? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess there's a thing where it's like I did school plays, I did stand up at school, I did all impressions of all my teachers. You did, Mr. Moose and Mr. Moose, Mr. Moose, and he at one point dated. Did we get a little Mr. Moose? I don't even remember him now. He was he was very dry. Mr. Moose was very dry, and he liked to talk about science. That's the closest I can remember Mr. Moose. I, he used to lean on the... It was more of a physical impression about him leaning and writing on the chalkboard. You're giving me flashbacks because at basketball camp, I would do impressions too, and then yeah. sometimes I'd say, get up and do them, and whenever I did, I couldn't do them anymore. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Moose, my Mr. Moose probably at it when I was 
12 or 13 was really funny because I'm like, I'm Mr. Moose and this is how I talk. But now as a grown man, it just sounds right. like I'm doing a slightly different version yeah. of my voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but back then it was like, wow, this you know, right. kid whose balls hadn't dropped yet is really doing a man voice. Right, right, right. Uh, but there was a science teacher named Marty Diangera. Diangera, and at one point, great name. They were dating, and we would all joke about how if they married, her name would be Marty Moose, which oh is from gosh. Vacation. Marty Moose. Marty Moose. The, the from Moose. From uh, it's, no, it's called uh, Wally World. No, from Wally World. Wally World. And there was yeah. Marty Moose. Was. So we loud. I mean, and back then, of course, it was even more relevant because yes. the movie was closer in our, our zeitgeist. Hilarious. But so uh, I think it always had to do with things where the public, the, that like the univ- the Disney thing, it, it was like, oh, that's like the public, and I don't know these people, and I hadn't conditioned myself yet to the idea of performing in a in the world world. I was cool with performing within the small world yep. that I lived in. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, but you were still compelled to, oh, to get laughs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it too yeah. cliche? You mentioned your dad's an NA and stuff. What yeah. was it like at home? Did the performing start there? Yeah, but my father and mother divorced when I was six, and my father didn't really ever. I actually never really caught too much of you know besides him being tired or like you know being grouchy sometimes. He that that sort of kind of showed up, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that about my father. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I can relate to that, by the way. Yeah, it it's wasn't like, like some big TV movie tragedy. Kids don't know also what parent, what grownups. You, you have your parents, yes, and this is kind of a cliche, but you're just like that's what parents are, yes. Like, and my dad wasn't like insane, and my mom wasn't insane, but like kids sometimes be on the porch like singing or something. Yes. And you're just like dad's silly, and it's yeah. like, well, dad also had a few beers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but you're, you're not know. seeing that part. No, you're also not noticing. You're not with your friends' families all the time, right. so you're just like that's what dads do. Yes, and so you had a occasionally sleepy dad. Yes, yeah, so sleepy. <laughs> I mean, my father. Listen, even my father, he was using. Um, what is he doing? At the time, yeah. At that time, I think he was just like working. Oh, he's going, went back to art school to learn visual arts. He's oh. a drummer. Uh, so he wanted to get a degree in visual arts. <laughs> now I'm just picturing like, hey, Anthony. That's, oh, yeah. My dad was cool. My dad is cool. And my mom is cool. She's a dancer and what? was like a Broadway dancer in the 50s. No and, way. Yeah. And my stepfather's cool because he's a doctor of anatomy and physiology and like has long hair and was like a beard and was like a, Hippie, like I grew up with all cool parents. You're like Gemberling. Gemberling's yes. cool dad. Yes, yes, <laughs> cool parents, cool easy parents who always were like, "What do you want to do? How do you want to express yourself?" No, yeah. get out. Don't become a lawyer. I remember my father one time. We were talking about this the other day because my mother the same way would be like Anthony. She used to put on "There's No Business Like Show Business" when I was like little, no. and that was the song we sung to in the car. I would sit in the back seat in the car seat. And it'd be like, there's no business like show business. No! Kid you not. And I, I see love that. that. The car veering off a cliff. Yeah, and my no mother would be like, ah! Yeah, I know. <laughs> now you think it's like, oh my God. I mean, this is also the 70s where like, I used to play with my action figures in the back thing of the oh, the car yeah, the back with row. the seatbelt around the but the like crux of my knee, the back of my knees, oh my God. like the least safe. Like if we got into an accident, I would have snapped my legs yeah. off and my torso would have shot through 
front of the fucking car. You would have been wearing the seatbelt in a fashion that implied that you were trying to kill yourself. Yes. <laughs> like you knew yes. you were going to crash and you wanted yeah. to die. But we, you know, so my mom was the one who was like, you want to go to theater camp? You want to do pantomime? You want to do this? Let's do it. Let's no. get you. But it was not a stage mom. She had no interest in. She wasn't pushing you, but she no, was No, she didn't want to live vicariously. She just wanted to make sure that I had access to anything like that. And, you know, my mother went back to college at 42. I was a latchkey kid. She worked at Emerson. I mean, nobody had a lot of money. So, like, we lived in Chelsea, so mm. you can imagine. Mm. So she also, with my grandparents, just made sure that anything I <clears throat> needed that way was, like, the top priority. Really? So there was, uh, yeah, a lot of sacrifice went into making sure that, you know. And your dad said, don't be a lawyer. My father later in you know later on when I was in high school or something or maybe because you sound like a little lawyer a little showman. Well, I have two lawyers in my family, uh-huh. uh huh, and the kind of showbiz. Yes, I always thought like yes. when I considered debate and law, I was like that sounds kind of like something. It's a I different want. type of performance. Improv yeah. students. When I used to teach improv at UCB, my best students were doctors and law, like non. Yeah, yeah, civilian students. Yeah, yeah. Doctors and lawyers. Because they knew... They have to think on their feet. Yes. And they have to communicate. They, yeah. You know what I, I feel and like... And be uh, clear and be uh, with brevity they have to communicate. And be a thought ahead of themselves. Yep. While they're saying, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you're thinking about what the What's next part is. the next part thing, is. yeah. I, I totally understand. The that. shelf. I call it the shelf. The shelf? Yes. I imagine when I improvise that there's this like beautiful shelf around my head. And all the tchotchkes are things I want to do. I stack on the shelf, and I can just see them. That's the key. And, then and I, you visualize them. I mean, I see it. If I talk about it, I can see it. But I don't. I I don't like go into the scene and go. All right, get the shelf ready. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but like I, it's uh, if I'm going to describe it, that's that's how I would describe it. I think that's so interesting. And yeah. I th- I wonder if you relate to this because you know we're filming uh, Crashing Season Two, uh, which is also on a television like The President Show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's on HBO. Let's it's not, not get crazy. It's, it's not TV. TV. <laughs> I'm on TV. You're on something that's not TV. I don't know what it is. It's HBO. It's HBO. But, uh, oh, thank you. I didn't know. <laughs> let us help you. Let us help you with that. It's HBO. But uh, sometimes we're doing a scene, and now at this point, I don't even know if I'm better or, or anything. It, it's not a case of being better. But my shelf, I try not to think about it at all. I know. Like you, what I'm saying is the director will come in and be like, try and remember that line. And so yeah. now I'm going to think of you and be like, that line is a little Russian doll. I'm going to put it on the thing. Yes. I'm going to try and remember to say, like, what are you, a Russian doll? I'll put yeah. it in there. But then you try and put it out of your mind and you, and you hope that your, your muscle memory will remember to say the new line. Or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you can't, it has to be an automatic. You have that, I only describe it that way to illustrate it. Of course. It, but you could never, if you actually thought about it. Well, I've oh. seen you improvise. There's no way that There's you could no just thinking. be like, mm, well, let's see what's on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you make a system with thought to help you not think. Yes. What you, I'm interested What? What? how do you teach uh, kids something like that, students something yeah. like that, not necessarily kids. Uh, that seems like the definition of talent is being like, you need to have your brain in such a manner that you can access it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, over time, I mean, I taught at UCB for 10 years. So like I learned as I taught. Uh, also, like what worked and what didn't. I learned that yelling and just yelling at the students didn't work. <laughs> you would yell at them? <laughs> oh, in the beginning? Really? I was like, God damn it, this is shit. I was like a real I kind of love toughie. it. I mean, I still, I, I would say any student listening to this would be like, he was like that all through the 10 years. Uh, but well, but you, in a kind way. But you cared. Oh, I mean, when I taught, I even if I went back and taught now, I would care. I love teaching. I love yeah. 
I mean, it was exhausting at some points uh, mentally because you – and I only mean that not like uh, I'm doing some great, you know, thank you for your service. Like, oh, my God, how did you do it teaching improv? <laughs> but it, it's uh, – in terms of my own narrative, it was um, mentally taxing because I was giving away a lot of the store for free. Mm. Like I was putting so much of my energy because I do care about it and I have a lot of great students who – um, some of them work on the present show. Some of my former students, one of my former students is a co-EP on the show. Oh, God love you. You know, three of my former students are writers and work on the show. Like, I'm very proud of the fact that that's not why they're on the show or nor am I the only person who taught them. Right. But uh, I like that experience of learning a person and but seeing their skill and talent and then watching it maturate and then reach a point in which you intersect again yes. as co Because that's wisdom. You know, collaborators. It's, it's stupid to go, these people are younger than me and they're starting later than me and therefore they'll never oh, have anything to offer me. No. Whereas, you know, Gethard was my teacher and he and I have worked together and yeah. Zach Woods was my teacher. We get to like, you get to see the smart, I, I want to say the wise people would go, we're, ju- we're all on the same path. We're just starting right. at different points. That's right. That's I started really much later. I started... Improv when I was 28. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was 28 years old. I had a whole career already. In, as what? As this, a, you know, a producer, oh, associate Hensons. producer, working on commercials, yeah. Yeah. doing bullshit. Yeah. Um, but I would just say with students, is like, I, I believe in old school systems, which are, one, you want to, as you teach, it depends on where you're teaching them, at what level you're <laughs> teaching them. But I think earlier on, it's repetition. It's 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 as basic as rote function. It's it's like repeat it. Don't uh, we? I try to acknowledge. Like I know you're you're going to be invested emotionally in this, and your sense of self is going to be connected to your self worth is going to be connected to whether you do it well or not. And I'm here to tell you in a one on one class that none of you are going to do anything interesting. Mm. You're it's like in kindergarten thinking that some kid is going to write some amazing tome. They're mm. not. They have a limited ability to assemble letters, words, and images and things. So you're just looking for oh that one did very uh, did a lot with the little that they have. Mm. And so in one on one, it's like just stop trying to don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to be amazing. Try to learn your technique. Just try to understand walking and talking and speaking without your panic mechanism kicking in yes. and there and therefore taking over and ruining whatever you're doing because you know it will be bad. If I say it's like the middle manager, your ego is the middle management. It's the guy on the floor of the Best Buy that comes up and doesn't know what the fuck's going on. You want to talk to the boss, right? Mm. The boss is the most important person. They make all the decisions. So why would you deal with the middle manager? (laughs) So when you improvise, it's like your ego is the middle manager stepping in and being like, don't worry, don't worry, I've got it. And everybody knows they don't. Yes. That's why they're the middle manager, because they don't got it. So like, The fake, I am the manager. Yeah, I am the manager. I am the manager. Don't worry. I, I want to talk to the manager. Yeah. I am no, the manager. You're, I am the manager. No, no, no. I want yeah, to so always think of your ego self and not in a negative – it's not a negative way. That's its job, and it's good that there's a job like that because also the middle he manager – He cares about you. He cares about you. He's the one who you know stacks all the dishes at the end of the night, makes sure that the, the drawers counted out yeah, and does yeah. all that stuff. So they – serve a purpose but if you elevate them outside of their purpose they don't do a good job right. and that's where your ego self is you don't send the gm or, yeah. or the manager of the bennigans to the the world corporate meeting no you don't you send the the, man, the i guess it would be called the gm or the whatever. gm the gentleman the big guy yeah or the owner of the franchise really that's exactly right the bennigans you know as a franchise but that's so funny oh, i got this great you... potato skin sorry 
you know I'm sure you know I'm preaching the truth right now. Well, yeah, you'd get oh, I believe you get four potato skins with the sampler. That's right. Which would be wings. Well, that was, was potato bad. skins and, and mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks. Nothing God better. Did nothing better. Nothing but if you get better. the Southwest sampler, it had quesadillas. Southwest egg rolls. Yeah, and that was nachos. my issue, though. You see, this is my issue. The Southwest egg roll killed the deal for me. Oh, Not a fan of it. but it came with pineapple pepper cream sauce. <laughs> and here's a pro tip dip that Dia in the pineapple pepper cream sauce. You are on a train to Flavortown and Brother. The yeah, and then you're going to crisp. see Lethal Weapon 2 after yeah, that. Of course, because it's 1998. <laughs> 1998. I don't know. Okay. I don't know years. So <laughs> I said some numbers. So the long and the short is... But you're trying to get people out of their head. You try to get them out of their head, which is the basic thing, and then repetition, and then I think the same thing we're talking about, no stake in the outcome, uh, no expectations in mindfulness, all the same practices that are done in meditation work in improvisation. Isn't that beautiful? In-breath is listening to you, out-breath is dispensing information, and if we go off course, we get distracted... Why live in the self-punishment and flagellation of, oh, I got distracted, I screwed up, I da-da. Why don't you just go, oh, I got distracted. If you were driving, you'd be like, oh, I'm on the wrong road. Let me get back to the highway. Right. You wouldn't pull the car over and be like, I failed. Right. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't right. know why I drove on this road. Right. That's a waste of fucking time. Right. So it's more about human condition. Improv is more about conditioning people yeah. to allow them the space to try to create well, things with technique. Why- yeah. versus teaching them how to be funny. that You can't yeah. do that to anybody. It's interesting. You are trying, correct me if I'm wrong, to curate some of that self-love. And confidence is a tricky word, but there is a type of confidence involved yeah. in going, I fucked up. Oh, well. Yes. Let's move on. Yeah. Ah, it happens. Yeah. We're going to move on. That's it. And you it's okay. That. I took it from the stand-up world, actually, because I was very envious uh, of people going through the stages of bombing and mm. failing and... I never, that just, I mean, I did nights, but that was like a different thing, I think, nights of our lives than mm-hmm. like stand-up, stand-up, uh, because I never went to bringer shows. I never went through the process that even hosting my variety show, I would watch the stand-ups who came and did my show, mm-hmm. um, work material out and do that vulnerability. And now I understand that a lot more and understand it with the show and how I write and, and all that. So I had a quick learning curve that I had to hit, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, especially touring with James, and he's such a great stand-up, uh, James, James Adomi. Yeah, James Adomi. And so, like, that, um, uh, but I based it in that model because what I watched was uh, a, gu- uh, f- like, failure and success, like, mesh with each other when I would watch or go to friends' shows of watching people try shit and it not work and be like, okay, right. well, here's the next one. right. And I'm sure it was maybe gut-wrenching on the inside for that person up there sometimes. And I think other times as you would watch people more established do it, you would go, oh, you just don't fucking care. You're, gonna, you're, do, you're not concerned about this immediate response as much as you are concerned about evolving the material for when you're going to want that response right. in a bigger, bigger It's kind of like you were saying, can we handle this straight? Can we feel mm-hmm. a bomb, a joke didn't work, yeah. and just say yes to it? Be like, yeah. oh, that's what it feels like when a joke doesn't yeah. work. And isn't that the beautiful thing? Yes. As opposed to being, oh, no! Yes. And yeah. running yeah. off stage. Well, that's why the vari- when I did the Tony show, the variety show that I did with John Gimberling, the Tony and Johnny, and then we he left and I did Tony show, I started to be okay with, I would have a show that I wrote the day of and be like, I don't know, this, you know, does... 
Does Shirley Temple, a, a, a just dead Shirley Temple and Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> singing anything I can do, you could do better, but while shooting heroin work? I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know. It's the day she died. Maybe it'll work. Did Maybe Shirley people Temple hate do heroin? That. No. <laughs> but she just, we had a Philip Seymour Hoffman, so we just had her meet him in purgatory. Oh, no. And then she's like, anything you can do, I can do better. And then she shot it in her thigh. Oh. And then no. he was like, nice, I can. And then he shot no. it in his eyeball. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's terrible, right? But you know what? And the thing was, is like, I didn't know. And it, it, it got a mixed response. Yeah. But I didn't give a shit. And then when I started to learn that the thing I was teaching my students, that I only knew in improv, but I hadn't expanded to other parts of my world yet, that I still had stakes in those other places, mm. as I pulled those up and realized, like, it's more liberating and then for me, that kind of opened the road up hmm. a little bit where I went, oh, okay, who cares? And age happens too. I'm, I'm halfway through now. <laughs> I am. I'm halfway through life, maybe a little shorter halfway through life, but I'm about <laughs> at the middle space. A lot of things that you thought about don't matter anymore. And also, I did not think this show would definitely – I did not think this shit would be happening two years ago. So I had already mentally been like, all right, you know, I'll be on some TV shows. I'll appear in things here to here. I have a lot of friends who make stuff, so I'll always I'll try to sell something. I'll teach improv. I have right. cobbled together a very nice, comfortable life, uh, earning and also creating, and I'm satisfied right. where I'm creating. Right. This, but you, you out of the blue. I don't want to say resigned. It's not. I resigned. resigned. I resigned you from did. the office of the presidency. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Get out of here. No, uh, it's not resigned. It's you made peace. Me even made peace as a judgment. You were like, this is what my career looks like. I, I, I resigned myself to it. I'll take the judgmental <laughs> term. I said to myself, I don't think, I don't think this is going to happen in this way for me. I knew there'd be some path that it would happen, at least in the sense of like just persistence and grinding it out of, and grinding it out in the number of people. Like, I like, knew. Uh, like John Turturro and Rounders. You're yes. the guy who plays consistent games, wins good hands, doesn't yes. go to the big tournaments, but he's fine. Yes, he's doing. And I was okay. And I was okay with that. And I always considered this thing of. I think the only thing about resigned is it implies some level of of maybe blocking out. I always had an option open for like, hey, it could happen. Yes. But I just just did not uh, – it could happen used to occupy so much space, I think it hurt me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. It like was too much. It got too much of yeah. your ram. It could happen. It could happen. And now it Isn't was... that funny though? That, that's like your improv principle. Yeah. You were like – you were thinking too much about what could happen when you're saying it's just about the repetition of doing, doing the thing. Doing it. Do doing it. It's like I quoted it often as it comes up because I don't mind. Conan talks about – Conan told – O'Brien told me about like there's so much noise. Yes. There's all these different instruments. There's a guy on an oboe and there's yeah. a guy splashing the huge cymbals. And he's like, my whole career, I was just in the corner with a triangle going ding, ding, but the same ding yeah. over and over. And the guy with the cymbal put him down and he picks up a trombone and, and everybody's just trying to, some guy's lighting fireworks and he's just ding, 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 ding. He was like, after a while, Everyone the heard people the listening will go, what's that triangle I've been hearing this whole time? So there you were, you know, it's weird that I have this relationship with you because yeah. I, I've known you better the past year or two. Yes. We've had more hangouts. More interaction than because we you know had Jad our, and stuff. Our, and yeah. Our, seeing you out. In our tangential interaction before Ruru shows. Exactly. Yeah. But I would see you there. So yes. I was invested in the way that I knew you were hilarious. Oh, well, And then I would you see too. you. Well, kindly. Uh, I would see you on. You were on 30 Rock, right? You were in the writer's yeah, room. Yeah. I was sitting there quietly. Exactly. 
But I would watch 30 Rock and I'd go, there's Anthony. Yeah. And I was invested in you. And I was like, in this weird way, I was like, where does this go? And, and you know, Bill Burr Nowhere. was just on Stern. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Burr was just on Stern talking about how there's two types of successful people. There's the guy that makes it. He gets off the bus with the corn. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the wheat, piece of wheat in his yes. teeth. And he's just like, golly. And then he makes it when he's 26. Yes. And then he goes, and then that's the rest of us. We make it after we're 40. Yes. And then I, was I like, heard I was listening to Stern. I, I thought good? Bill Burr's interview was like, also being from Massachusetts, don't you feel like when you hear other people of our ilk, you're like, yep, I know that. I know <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, I get this. I know what you're I saying know. there. Just the perspective. The sort of semi, there's a thing of like that, I don't know, you know, I'm just doing this. There's that part, yeah. which I think is the most probably true part I also got from my dad. From my dad playing with Emmylou Harris and playing with Alison Krauss and like all these big names when he had his success in his mid-40s. He did. And my father, I would always call him up and go, wow, you did this or Wow, we're at Letterman. Like I was at Letterman in like 1990. He was playing. He played with Emmy on Letterman, and I what? met Bill Nye there. There was the the famous fire extinguisher fight between um, Letterman and Bill Nye. No, I was there for that episode. And oh Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono was the guest. He's dead no. now. And uh, I remember being so wowed. And my dad was like, "It's just a show. It's just a show. This is just a show." My father always. Was like I would I would call him after improv shows. Go, we had such a great. He go, Anthony. He goes, that's great. He goes, it's just one. He goes, you got to do it a whole bunch. Oh wow, which was tough in some ways, and um, really important in other ways. Well, that's the other he thing. Taught me to just let go. What Bill Burr said this too. It's like I forget the shows after I do them. I yeah. forget the stuff after I do it. I just do it, dump it out, and then it's done. Yeah. And at the show, at President's show, you know. Uh, you're talking about that malaise or whatever, that feeling that comes in. Like we're past, we're sort of beyond the pale now. Like we had our six pickup. Then they gave us an additional two before we started. So this week, which is my birthday, June 15th, my birthday, which is Thursday. And Trump is born on June 14th. Shut up. So we're doing a birthday. We make all the guys that kind of look that way. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time of year. And, uh, you're, you're more handsome than Oh, okay. thank you. I'm more handsome than a bloated orange slug? Thanks. <laughs> and you're kinder than Mussolini. <laughs> but I have the same ideas as Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yes, you didn't let me finish. But your ideas and your heart my is heart, that of Hitler. My heart and my philosophy is lined up right there. Um, but uh, I... See it, I, I don't know how you, I see it like we got a job, mm. we got to do this job. And, you know, we have a different thing in the sense that, like, we've got to, we've got to, everything runs up to the 530 taping, right? Because, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's got to be contemporary, but it's also got to be evergreen. It can't be too. Well, tell us what Colbert told you. Oh, uh, what, what he said. Because, uh, oh, he leaned in. Uh, tell, t- tell the story about the, the, the desk. Oh, yeah. Write? Well, I can't, but I can't say what's on it. Oh, right. Because Stephen made me promise to not say. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I got to honor that because he's a pretty big guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you have his old desk. So we were taping, and uh, I, I said to him at one point, and this was cut out of the airing, uh, I said, hey, I have, you have a great shower. And he kind of looked at me. I said, in your office? He goes, you have my old office? I go, yeah. And he went, wow. He goes, oh, that's crazy. And then I said, you know, you have that thing on the desk. And it's these f- five words that are just sort of, they're inspirational words. Yeah. Um, and um, 
it's taped there. And I said, did you tape that? And he goes, yes. He goes, I forgot about that. And uh, what was the like vibe again? Can we hint at the vibe? It's, well, the vibe is like the, uh, the feeling. Things that would be from a Deepak Chopra book. Oh, okay, like they're like about kindness and care and. Well, you know, it's like Colbert uh, in Judd's book, "Sick in the Head," talks about when his. Do you want more water? No, I don't. When in his book, <laughs> I like that. I like that experience. <laughs> I like sipping air. <laughs> but his Colbert's father died, I believe, and yes. uh, his mother said, "What's this in the scope of eternity?" Mm. So that sort of perspective—it yeah. it, it sounds kind of cold, but it's just kind of like it's like your dad. So it's one show. It's like yeah. one event. Zoom out a little bit and look at all of people, look at and everything, all and of all the people. lives, and all of the stars, and all of the galaxies. Again, I'm I'm not doing it justice, but I, I see that he's a perspective-loving person. Yes. I mean, my experience, I don't want to overstate my experience, was limited to shaking his hand, doing the interview, and what he said to me afterwards. Um, but he was so gracious and kind, I think, to uh, to uh, to say real stuff, you know, at the end. Because I always wondered on talk shows what people say I mean, mm. that was my first ever appearance on a talk show was on that show mm. so uh which was quite you know nerve-wracking because i'm like oh i think this is big but then i just try to push it out of my brain of course but the thing he said that was most important was he said it's your show yeah do your show don't do let anyone your show yeah, don't yeah. let anyone tell you what your show is which is you know maybe might seem like someone would be like okay that's like general but like it there was a force behind him saying it that was um, also like I've been through that ringer. You know, I've been through that experience. And, and it's I'm as subtle you. as when I drink today, I want to drink tomorrow. It's not mm-hmm. a huge demon at your door going like, we're going to call it the Comedy Central yeah. presents Comedy Central's Donald <laughs> Trump show. <laughs> yes. That's not what it is. Yeah. It's someone just kind of subtly being like, maybe, uh, maybe we don't do that. Yes. <laughs> and you're just kind of like. Oh, okay. yeah. It's, like a, it's a quiet voice. Yes. Yeah. It's a quiet. Well, I think it it's be. also, I think it's, uh, you know, and then I took a photo of it uh, and sent it to him. So he had a, a yeah. copy of it so he could see it. Um, but uh, I think that the interesting thing there is Comedy Central, I, this experience is somewhat new to me in totality, but I've had a couple other network experiences. Like they're, Great collaborators. Like yeah. the executives are great collaborators, which is like yeah. astonishing. That's great. They've got a great sense of humor. They're encouraging. They're irreverent. Yeah. Uh, the president of Comedy Central like literally came up with screaming at the TV and we liked it. And we're like, sure. And I'm a firm <laughs> believer in that. Everybody is a part of the party. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, they are a already part of the party because they are they're the executives but like right but i think the whole idea is we should treat it like a giant collaboration to the degree that at the end of the day there'll be some negotiation about maybe some things we want during the week although they really pretty much leave it alone and that i determine what it is ultimately mm-hmm. because i'm the one has to go out and do it so right. i have to be comfortable kosher with what we're doing yep um but it's been that part's been like phenomenal. Um, but the thing for me is I do listen, my only other managerial or boss experience is John's Pizzeria being a manager there. <laughs> so I literally map how I was a manager of waiters and like busboys and all these people to my yes. TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I just do it that way. I'm like, well, I did this at John, so I guess this will work here. Um, so you learn that that's not always true. But isn't that tricky? That's the number one thing I learned from my talk yeah. show. And it's the same thing with crashing is like the main challenge. And it's not 
it might not be the main challenge. One of the challenges in our office politics, morale, making yeah. sure people feel heard and seen. And, yes. and there's a way that you uh, tell someone you don't like an idea. Yes. <laughs> you know, and there's a way that you tell them that you like an idea. Yeah. And uh, there's ways of making promises. There's ways of not making promises. You have to be very careful. Oh, and I'm... <laughs> <laughs> That's amateur hour for exactly. me. Exactly. I just keep stay quiet mostly. Is that right? Uh, well, no. The, anyone working with me would be like, "What are you fucking crazy?" <laughs> but I do try to. I try to stay quiet on things that I'm not sure, and I try to ask somebody first just to mm. make sure. Well, the, you know what? This is the number one thing. I'm not even telling you this. I'm just putting it out into the world. Is uh, what do you like about them? That's something Judd taught me. If someone pitches something and they're oh, like, yeah. what if Anthony does it with his dick out? Something that you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just being like, no, just be like, well, what do you like about that? You yeah. know what I mean? And just trying. It's so much effort it's, that I didn't expect yeah. is to just instead of you can't just be a child and be like, no, you know, no, be no. just like interesting. And I don't I don't always do it. I, no. I don't always have the energy. Sometimes. I mean, I, I find I mean, one I find is always. Yeah, I, I think that's true, which is like you do always want to see – because so out of the seed of – there have been plenty of ideas that have made it to the show that have become full ideas or themes that were like initially <laughs> a idea that you were like, I don't know. I don't know about this at all. I've had people fully sell me on something that I was completely against. That's that's my – here's a quick impression yeah. of me at work. I hate it. Five minutes later, that's my favorite idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think you need to be open to all expressions like yeah. that. Or you're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. Like you, you get a little yeah. humility served to you when you're like – what are you fucking kidding? It happened yesterday. Someone pitched a joke. This is this is a little bit of maturity season two, Pete. Yeah. Is someone will pitch something and I'm like, I don't know about that. And I do it anyway. Yeah. And it's not to sell out. It's because I know we're going to be in the edit. Right. And I'll know we'll take it out. And then I go and I watch the playback because, you know, you're in the scene yeah. and you come back over to the monitors yeah. and you watch it. And you, I howl going yeah. like, I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what the vibe was. And you guys could see. Yes. And I trusted, in this case, I'm thinking of my friend Oren. I trusted his line and I said it even though my first instinct when it was pitched to me was, that's, I don't that's like stupid. It. Yeah. That's stupid and you don't understand the show and I feel alone. And then I do <laughs> it and I'm like, this guy gets the show better than I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like exactly. It's a great feeling. And yes, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling you feel more trust and you feel more taken care of that to me is season two in a nutshell is i'm like i'm starting to learn what it means to 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 give out a little bit more responsibility yeah. to people yeah because you don't have to write the show with your marrow no and you don't have to write every scene with your marrow you no, can be like no. let's not i approach the show that. actually from the beginning to now is like we uh, I really let everyone have at it. Is that right? I will give the broad strokes of what I like. I'll give some lines or ideas or segment ideas. I mean, there's, there's so many times I'm like, why don't we do this for a desk piece? And then they're like, all right, Anthony. And they like pin it up on a board uh, that's like in the corner of the room that's like Anthony's ideas that aren't going to ever make it to air. Shirley Temple does yeah. heroin. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure but, but boss. Then, but then once in a while... Something will happen in the news cycle, and they'll go, and they'll pull that card off. It's every part it of the up. Buffalo. Yeah. You, we can't be so foolish as to think we can fully understand where great ideas come from. And no. that's the humility of being a performer yes. and a creator, is going like, sometimes it was some stupid thing that we never thought would work. Oh, God, yeah. And it's the best thing. So many things like that. And like also knowing when to assert myself. Knowing when I know something will work and everyone's telling me it won't. Mm. And that happened on the show, Is that too. right? Which was that? Uh, the psycho ending. Oh, okay. The, the, the mother was dressed up like his... Uh, 
Norman Bates's mother, and it was a black and white ending with an iris in, and it was this really intense thing, and there was a real concern it would not get laughs, and it was a super legitimate concern mm-hmm. by responsible minds that are thinking about the show. And I just sort of, as a gambler a little bit, was like, nope, I know that this will work. And I sort of put my foot down and went, this is my show, and I want to do this. Wow. And and it worked. And you know what, though? That is, this is my show, I want to do this, is something you reserve for for a pure 99% energy, like, column in your body that says i know yeah, i yeah. know the future almost <laughs> right you can't well, if you don't job have is predicting that, the future this will be funny yeah. when people see it i mean that <laughs> yeah that is our job so i just i work i don't think about it and then the thing i don't like more than anything is on show day i don't want anybody to say are you excited I hate. It. Are you excited <laughs> so much? I'm like. I'm like. Do I think? Do Do I look excited? There's nothing about me that's excited. I've got to get shit done. I got to get two hours of fucking makeup on. I got to play this pig monster. We've got to nail everything right. It's all got to excited. This is the last thing I am. Yeah. I'll be excited at the minute after. The show finishes taping. Yes. And I can pull everything off. That doesn't mean I hate it. It means that I am in a place of of sublime that's beyond excitement, which is doing it. Doing it, excitement means anticipation. Yeah. Doing it means you're in it. You're trying to stay in it. And in it, you're in the thrill of it. That's a deeper feeling that's way deeper than excitement. Are you excited? I totally get it. Are you excited is really just saying, like, are you nervous? That's yes, just another way that's of saying, what I'm fucking are you saying. Dreading, are you dreading this? Yeah, are you dreading this? Do you think you're going to fail? Yeah. And it's like, shut the fuck That's why I have, <laughs> have fun out there. Ugh. You know what I tell myself <laughs> all the time? It's, it's something that Ram Dass's guru said, which is enjoy everything, which yes. I love, which means enjoy the moment. Try to be. It's just another way of saying be here now. It's like yes. enjoy the anticipation before the show. Yes. And then enjoy it while you're doing it. Yes. And try and be there while you're doing it. And yes. to your point earlier, be there when it's not even working. And don't yeah. panic and stay in the car. Yes. And you'll be okay. And that's why that's that's what I, I want to enjoy every Are part of it. The fear of it. I want to enjoy that's the, the trick of not life. knowing if it's going to work. That's it. And then the two hours before the show... We have got a good mix on my phone now of like probably 40 Music. or 50 songs. And my makeup guy, Tom, and Betty and Robin, who do the wig, we just blast it. Yeah. We all sing. Yeah. We keep it very loose. We yeah. keep it super loose That's before what I did the on show. That's talk show, too. And there cannot be any, and the guest just has to deal with the music next door to the green room. Uh. I don't even shut the door. I'm like, <laughs> you live. I'll walk yeah, in. Yeah. I was like singing for Michael Eric Dyson. Uh-huh. I was like singing. Michael Bennett Dyson. <laughs> Michael he made Dyson. the P eight hundred we knew to us. I sang <laughs> "Sending the Clowns" to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, though. You're yes. trying to go back to your favorite birthday party yes. and get a little momentum going. Yeah. And that's why George Burns would smoke a cigar. There's something a comedy does impose. It yes. does make your clothes smell and my clothes smell. And yes. your music should bleed all over your set. Yeah. And you go like, you have to listen to Sound in the Clown. Yes. You have to. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm trying to play right now. Yeah. Right and I now. want you to know, I'll say this, I probably shouldn't say it. It's like, 
I want you to know that this is my space. Yes. This is my space. It's nobody else's but Absolutely. mine. And you're coming into this space for me. It, and it, I'm welcoming that's and, it. and loving. Yes. But just let's know whose house it is. That's right. Well, that's why, again, the way I can relate to this, obviously, is the talk show. That's why yeah. we would play pretty positive music. Everything would yeah. be very silly and light. And that would make better interviews. Of course. They of came course. in. And I'm listening to Kelly Clarkson. Yes. That's a ridiculous place yes. to come in. Yes. And it, it would be very different if we were listening to something that's a little bit, Pete I don't know. Pete and I do, we do, we dance in between. Which Pete? Pete uh, Gross. Pete Gross is on your show? He plays uh, Pence. He, he plays Mike Pence. Oh, that's, oh, I knew that. And he dances. He wrote uh, on Colbert Christmas. Oh, yeah. One yeah, of the best right. Christmas specials of all time. Yes. I mean, uh, 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 Peter wrote for Colbert for a while, I think. Okay. Um, and we do full dance routines. We do like Kiki D and Elton John, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, but yeah. dressed as Trump and Pence. Yeah. And it's just to pass the time for me. Yeah. You know, I, it, it, it's, it's fun for the audience. and it's, But uh, <laughs> I, I, it's also surreal because, you know, in that fat suit and everything, moving like that is funnier, I think. <laughs> he's, uh, a, he's an odd shape. Oh my God! My, I mean, shape. if you saw the fat suit, I look like Danny DeVito's The Penguin. <laughs> but wait, don't we want to get get good and get God? We can get God. What time is it? I just want to make sure. One thirty. Yeah, we usually you started at. Wait, you didn't start twenty minutes ago. <laughs> no, it's two twenty-two. Two twenty-two. Yeah, we're gonna get to God in eight minutes. Oh, good. I just want <laughs> I just want to make sure we didn't move past it. No, no, no. We always close on it. We get to God at the ninety minute mark. Oh, do we? But in, oh, in true okay. Antaminic, see style, uh, I wasn't I wasn't worrying about it. Good, good. I, I was do. gonna. Oh, I w- let, let's talk about Trump a little bit. I'm sure people yeah, talk about oh, Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You talk yeah. about the difficulty of of playing that thing. <laughs> so it's so funny to me. I know he is a thing. He is a gross thingy. I mean, you know, for he me it's a, a thingy. Diff- he's a thingy. I, he's I mean, the weird neighbor boy. We were at his um <laughs> his home, his childhood homes uh yesterday what? filming a field piece. No. Yeah, cuz he lives in, you know, for uh Jamaica States Queen uh Queens. He did? Yeah. I didn't know that. His first house is pretty small. Huh. And then the second one is sort of a mini white house. <laughs> kind of around, and it's right around the corner. They literally moved around the corner. Really? Yeah, you can we, we walk there. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we went to his high school, met an old childhood friend of his. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting, and it was interesting to see. Like he essentially, you know, from uh, I think was sort of a rascally, obnoxious, um, like fuck off. That's yeah. basically what he seemed to be. It was interesting that his best friend, who he was friends with up to seventh grade, was Jewish. Parents are Jewish. And I, I asked him off camera. I just said, so did he like come over your house? He's like, oh, yeah, my family was his family. And I was like, really? And I was like, but, you know, he's had so many anti-Semitic connections. He's like, ah. He goes, listen, he went to my, my uh, bar mitzvah. He spent Passover at our house. I like we, that uh, golden finger. Yeah. <laughs> I want something to point in my books. I want something that's, I want a golden, I want a golden finger. <laughs> That's my favorite version of Trump. Give me one of those stars. Give me one of those stars. <laughs> We're doing so much. That's my favorite Trump. Quiet. I'm tired. I want my TV. Roll it in. Roll the TV in. Give me some chicken fingers. Boneless white meat with the honey mustard. And don't skimp on it, Mike.
I want one of those stars. I know. Give me a Torah. I know him. I feel, here's the thing is that there's a weird relationship with him. And I, this will connect when we get God, which is I have empathy for him. Well, that's my most interesting. When I think about Trump, yeah. I want to talk about what you like about him. Not you, yeah. everybody. Yes. Because you talked about it earlier. Yeah. To me, Trump, and I've said this a million times, so I'll say it briefly so I can hear what yeah. you think. Trump manifests and is a perversion of an energy that we actually can find appealing. I find him mm. deplorable. Yes. But that energy of the dad that pulls you out of school and drives you to some concert and yes. you don't have tickets and he's like, we're just going to walk in the back. Yes. Just keep your head up and walk in the back. Give this me- this this Mexican bouncer guy, give him $5. Look we walk like in the you back. own it. Like he's, he, I'm yeah. saying Mexican to be like a, yeah. a dick. Yeah. And just walk in and it's that sort of Typically masculine, that doesn't mean male, it just, it, for yeah. males, everybody has it, but that kind of energy that goes, we don't need the rules, we're not going to use the rules. That's why when Trump can, yeah. I, and again- He's Auntie Mame. When he, He's I, like a perversion of Auntie Mame. When he sneaks into me, it's always when he goes, I'm an outsider, and we're the ones that shake things up, which is just somebody spinning yeah. his horse shit, yes. but it's going like, we, I don't fit in, and I see- People like my dad, who I, I don't know how he feels about Trump, but I see people like my dad going like, the media does treat him unfairly. He is an outsider. Like, that's a good angle yeah. for him. Yeah. Because he's the dad pulling you out of school. Don't t- he's don't tell your mother. Yeah, don't tell your mother. And white people, especially disenfranchised uh, um, people that feel like they got a bad deal, yeah. want the dad that takes them the hand and takes them around the back yes. and goes, we're going to let you in. And yeah. he's not offering that to anybody else, but like... No, know, but, but it's also connects with our lottery mentality in the United States, which is we have crafted over 40 years, not only the... We've, we've dispensed with the post-war um, sort of pseudo-socialistic policies of Roosevelt that brought... And, and Johnson that brought us some sense of economic economic equality, some sense of relationship uh, between the individual and the state in the best way that uh, you're going to get a college degree. You're going to get the opportunity to go here. You're going to have clean roads that work and all this stuff and the infrastructure that extended through into the 70s. Uh, And so people, of course, and mind you, at that time, also still gross inequality in the country. Uh, you know, we're we're burning people and hanging them from trees, uh, you know, black folks. Uh, It is a white mostly dream or a white dream. So that's one thing to always acknowledge when reflecting on that time that right. I'm learning is like, it was also a white version of what America was to some degree, not completely. Which is one of the problems with make America great. Well, again. of it's course. Like, for who? Yes. But within that Rooseveltian sort of socialistic democratic environment, there was a real option, um, to be taken care of and to believe that you could earn your way up the ladder. That's what I'm saying is you could make something of yourself. You could start some sort of business in the garment district and make a whole bunch. But again, this, uh, I want to just add this concept. America also was a startup, right? Mm. And so since America was a startup, just like anything, there was a period where there's like rapid growth because all these people find these new niches in places where they can make money that no one thought of yet because it's all these empty gaps that haven't been filled. Mm. We now filled a lot of the gaps 
the notion that we're going to have these rags to riches stories means we have to keep inventing new, new industries, yeah. new gaps. And so we have to make new industries. It's which, like on Shark Tank. It's like, I have a chapstick that tastes like cinnamon. It's like, yes. we already have chapstick. Yeah. <laughs> we have chapstick. Yeah. It's always a twist on a thing. Yes. And when yes. you do see a new idea, you're like, wow, it's really impressive. Yeah. Well, it's the whole, what's his name? Uh, uh, um, uh, Rodney Dangerfield from Back to School, he made the shower rings, right? <laughs> it's that thing of like, what's the thing that you made that yes. made your millions? But you there know? was a time, if you can imagine, that people were like, imagine a phone that you could take with you in the car. Yes. Like that was like a unheard of thing. Yes. And the real trouble is it takes a lot of ingenuity. Maybe yeah. it always has yeah. to imagine what is it that we don't have in our lives of that course. we re- that everyone would want. Well, it's also everyone's throwing spaghetti at the wall. Exactly. There's so it's just like our industry. But that people the, are writing shows and concepts and pitches all the, the time. And, and going know? back to your things where the bits we don't even know that are going to work. Trump is another thing where he's like, I knew it was going to work. I knew it was going to yeah. work. Like when your spaghetti, <laughs> yeah. when your train does come in and you, you, you think of the pet rock yes. and you make a billion dollars yes. and you go like, I knew it. Yeah. A lot of us will go, Bullshit. I tried a lot of things. Yeah. I, you know, before the, pe- like, like Abraham Lincoln being like, I failed at this and this and this yeah, and this yeah, and this yeah. and this and this. And then, you know, th- things started to clear up yeah. for me, but he's like the dad that goes like, I always think of the perfect dad logic where it's like, how deep is that water? And you don't know, but you go 12 feet. Yes. You know what I mean? That sort of, yeah. but you don't know. No. You're just making shit up. No, you're making shit up with authority. His big thing is, I meant to do that. Yes. That's his whole thing. The pool ball goes in by accident. Yes. And he goes, I, I, meant, to I meant to do that. I meant to do it. <laughs> and he's, he's won on that. He won on that. Uh, but so uh, but to get back yes, to please. him and who I like uh, uh, or the things that I guess I like. Uh, yeah. And your empathy. I'm interested in my empathy for I'm him. I'm not trying to trap you. You know, I'm not trying to trap. I don't think you're trying to trap me. I've, I've spoken about this before. It's, in, it's hard to talk about. There are. Well, because like there's a, all a the things. Listen, I would say it's pretty well covered. We all know the things. He's a threat. He is irrational. He is unstable. Um, the same qualities actually that we could say can seem fun and we like yes. are things that it's, I mean, it's sort of like my uncle at the Thanksgiving table. God bless him. I love him, but I don't want him to be president. Right. 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 So the, the idea being that it's when you find out that your dad that was sneaking you into the concert, which is nice and you yes. know, it's a little bit in the gray area. It's not exactly right. Then you find out that he's also stealing crates of malt liquor yes. and selling them. And that's how you're paying for the food. And you're like, dad. Yes. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> yeah. like he crosses a line yes. and you're like, it's not just fun. And, and mostly what, you know, that's like what you could, you know, that's the, the variable, right? Is there's the difference between the person who goes this one time, we're going to do this. And when it's like the fifth concert and dad's like, let's sneak in. And you're like, Jesus, dad, like, I know this is fucked up. Right. And I think that's the problem is that he is the one who has made a living and a personality out of exactly that. Mm. And so my empathy for him comes from the fact that he also is at an age now where um, his loneliness, his self-loathing, his clear issues with his mother and his father, his lack of processing of his brother's death, the harshness he had with his brother, the physical fights that they got into, all the inde- inefficiencies, deficiencies, and, and home 
of 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 racial profiling and bias to the degree that they were scared of the Italian family that moved in down the block. Mm. That the father actually uh, was cautious and wanted to uh, tell told the kids to stay away from the Italian family. That's hardcore race. That's that's racism, like old school. That's racism. Boston, Boston. That's racism. Boston racism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some that like to have come be a product like that from that environment and develop into the person that you are and watch him from those rallies through the campaign to this, not only not process it, but have um, such a depth of low self-esteem that he is driven completely by the desire to just be like, you like me, right? Come on. What do I need to do to get you to like me just for the moment? And I don't really give a shit about mm-hmm. you. And the minute you give me that you like me, it's I over. will brush you off. Yeah. That's it. I don't care. Unless you reinforce something in me and you are really an extension of me. You don't exist. You only exist in relationship to me. In, to me. Yes. Yeah. And that's a sad, lonely existence. And it's, and the, the thing that where it butts up against reality, where my empathy butts up against reality is that it's one thing for him to be that way as a person and affect some lives as you do just with money or life or whatever, mm-hmm. or to be that person and essentially be the arbiter of whether we all live or die, which mm-hmm. is what he is. Mm-hmm. And that's what nobody ever says is at the end of the day, he has a choice every day. He can decide to kill every one of us with his choices and his with just with the nuclear codes alone, right? Just with the basic level. Imagine you really have a card in your pocket that all you need to do is call someone and they will do it. They will not question it. And you can go five, six, C, D, seven, eight, nine, Z, go for it. And they go, okay, no questions. And we're all dead. You, <laughs> that's, in, that's you did, true. That's the president true. could order a nuclear strike on his own country. No, he could order he could order You're one saying, on the Soviet Union. And then that starts the death. Yeah. I thought you were going a little bit further and saying I mean, I wouldn't he doubt could it. say, I've get rid that. of Maine. I've done that joke-wise like four or five times. That he's gonna I just want to make sure I'm understanding. No, the, he could the, launch. The, the all he'd have to do therapy. is launch a nuke at North Korea. Yeah. And then China would then retaliate. And then we would retaliate. Then Russia would retaliate. I don't think people understand the depth of the threat of nuclear weapons that is today, it's worse than it was when we were growing up. Did you see the, I, I should have read more than one article about it, but Snowden saying the CIA made up global warming to take our focus off of the nuclear arms race. Really? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I you should Google Making it. up global warming is <laughs> where I, Snowden loses me on that. Give one. it a Google. No, I, I agree. I it's, will. It's, I uh, mean, here's the thing. I don't know what you want to call it. There is two competing ideas to separate, which is it does not hurt for us to develop an industry that produces no waste and produces energy. We should, as people, yeah. the same way we went to the moon, we, do th- we should do that. It, you don't need the fact that the earth is on the precipice of death to do that. We right. should do that for anyway. our economic solvency, for our military security, for uh, relief in the Muslim world so that maybe the autocratic governments that reaffirm and reinforce radicalism as an education f- uh, uh, platform for uh, the youth of the Muslim world in the wealthier uh, Sunni countries especially. Or uh, the other thing being there's something going on with our weather that – 
has changed markedly that can be recorded, and we might have to consider what are the effects regardless of whether it's man-made or not. Let's just take out that it's man-made for a second. It's still happening. We still need clean energy. Those two things don't go away because someone denies climate change or agrees with it. So I do believe in that sense with Snowden, it's like it's an irrelevant argument because it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. There are two independent factors that must be taken care of, neither of which have to do with your belief in whether something's happening. Right. Um, right. That's interesting. We should, we should be doing it regardless. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? And you, what, what's fucked up is we can. We could. You could do it. And it would employ so many people. So many people. So many people. I sound like <laughs> So many people. But so, I, so here's the thing is that when he used to talk about the airports, okay, here's where I know no one will admit this, but this is true. We all watched him debate in the first one or two Republican debates. Everybody mm-hmm. watched that because mm-hmm. everyone was like, what the fuck is going on? Is this really <laughs> happening, right? And I challenge any liberal listening here, and I'm a leftist. Uh, <laughs> I challenge any liberal leftist, anyone, to tell me that they didn't enjoy when he took apart Rubio, Bush. Mm-hmm. We loved it. Mm-hmm. We loved him calling bullshit on all these people. Mm-hmm. We might not have liked him. We might still think he's bullshit, but it does take one to know one, and a bullshitter knows bullshit, and he he did it. And I'm not saying that as like, isn't he amazing, blah, blah, blah. I'm saying that's why he won the debates. That's why half of this country, more than half of this country, thought that he won the presidential debates against Hillary Clinton. I thought he won. Yeah. I'm not saying that to be like 50-50. I'm being honest. But he did win. I was like, he's getting laughs. Yes. He's winning. And the thing was is that everyone else was arguing in this serious – the argument to get more serious to try to offset him Mm. did the opposite effect because it returns us back to um, the idea that there were a lot of people who voted for him. And let's even dispense with white working class, all that, because it was actually people who earned between 50000 and 200000 that put him over the top. So it was actually the credit card class that put him over the top, people hmm. who were distended in debt, who try to live like they're half a millionaires when they only make this much money. Um, they're sort of micro-Trumps. They were actually the people who put <laughs> him over the top. Beautiful uh, In the news media, we like to blame the white working class because it stokes deeper racial divisions, which gets better ratings and also keeps this narrative of – Trump and white supremacy and all these things, which I do think are interconnected, but they are not the, the – they are important. But let's also look at the real-world effects of policies that nobody covers like the EPA or Department of Education, all the stuff that's going on under the radar while we're worried about Russia and whether you know Steve Bannon wears a hood or not. Mm. They are important things, but they are not uh, as tangibly important in the immediate moment because there are real things being done. Right. So I think that what's uh, uh, most frightening about him as you watch the Middle East so on is wherever he is, that's my best friend, except for the people who I've decided I know are jerks and snobs, which are the Europeans. So he is the only president where he is, even though he threatens all our enemies, he has relationships with every enemy where he's like – or not enemy, but like people who we ne- we generally tend to say like – or his avowed enemies. Like he says the Muslim world and blah, blah, blah. But then he goes to Saudi Arabia and he's touching the ball and holding the sword and going crazy, <laughs> right? right? right. Um, but who is he most threatened? Australia, Canada, and Europe are three allies. Like are three <laughs> – like the most – 
aligned with the United States, and that's who he's abusing the most. And so the rule being, if you really want to be on his good side, be an enemy of the state, Mm. and then he'll respect you. Mm. And if you're his friend, he thinks you're weak. (laughs) So this is the thing is you're seeing his psychology play out in his presidency in a disturbing way. What do you... What do you think is going to happen? That's where I always go to. Remember, we were at UCB, and I was like, yeah. what ha- we thought maybe I'd get arrested or something. And you were like, we do it in jail. We do the show from jail. Which yeah, is, we would do the show Which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You know, what do you... I mean... What's your gut? My gut is that this is going to drag out for another through 2018 election cycle in terms of the Russia investigation. I think that the there is, unless... Two things. I think that the spy community and the intelligence agency community, along with political maneuvers from both parties, from Democrats and Republicans, do not want to show the exposure of the uh, vulnerabilities of the United States in its uh, attack that Russia implemented on us because it damages Obama's legacy and it damages Trump. So everyone is trying to craft a narrative where we can have three or four fall guys that maybe take down Trump or at least cull Trump because they remove some of his closest people and put more uh, uh, operative people in there that can maybe contain or control him more. And then everyone, Dems, Republicans, everyone saves face because to reveal the complete and abject failure of the intelligence apparatus would then put a huge stain on the Obama presidency as well as the Trump presidency Mm -hmm. because that's a failure that extends across both presidencies. Mm -hmm. So everyone's going to try to cover it up and find some fall people and then it uh, will damage Trump. I don't think it will get all the way to him by 2018. And then the question will be, do the Democrats, which I think they do have a chance based on what happened in England with the parliamentary elections, the Democrats have a chance – to retake the House. If they retake the House, they will then move to impeach Trump and remove Pence because they both have the same dirt on them. And then Nancy Pelosi becomes the president of the United States because she's the Speaker of the House. <laughs> really? Is that what it would be? <laughs> yes. That's what I think. This is some House of Cards shit yes. right here. <laughs> so that's my outside projection. My inside projection is the oh. Dems narrow the lead in the House. There is essentially gridlock until 2020. And then Trump... Uh, either is like still healthy enough to run for president or finds a way to sort of, uh, well, to make an excuse to get out where he's been so abused. He doesn't want to do this anymore. It can never be the narrative that he failed. So it will have to be what, I mean, I think he will try for 2020, but it will depend on medically whether he will be able to do it. I mean, he's not, does not look good and is gaining (laughs) a lot of weight. Um, Is he? Yes. Uh, But I also think that we're going to have some real trouble in the South Asia seas. I think there's going to be conflicts between China and uh, Taiwan. And I also think that we unfortunately are going to have some of the London Paris stuff that's been happening over in Europe. I think we're going to have our first couple of those in the next year. And then that's going to change things here Hmm. deeply. And there'll be the same level of knife attack or truck or whatever, but it will be enough to be like, it's here now scare the shit out of people. You want my dire projection? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. that's where things are going, you know. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You wanted to know. No, I did ask. I, I was hoping for like a, don't worry, Pete. It's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, no. You're witnessing the complete collapse and decline of uh, Western, Western civilization. civilization. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're witnessing the United States as 
the U.S. and I would even say broader way electoral politics in general are damaged for quite a long time. Mm. This Russian hack really is going to put a question into people's minds, which is why it's dangerous the amount that people are driving it. They, if they're going to drive this importance, they should share the information, which is why Reality Winner, as weird a name as that is, <laughs> the woman who leaked the document that showed that the Russians had gotten into voting machines, should uh, – yeah, maybe she has to take her lumps because she did technically violate the law as a leaker. But she did an enormous service to all of us because showed us the level or depth of violation that's happening. And what's fucked is that the power systems, which are backed by major corporations that then extend into the two-party system, that they don't want us to know because they want us to believe in the fiction of our fair and free elections. And that's not what's happening. Mm. And it's partly based on our limitations on voter registration, on requiring IDs, which is essentially a racist policy to get African-Americans, Latinos, and other folks not able to register to vote, which uh, what are the dynamics are uh, minorities, the elderly and women are what make up a lot of the Democratic voting bloc. So, because they don't help because they don't have IDs because they don't want IDs. What, what, no, what is the tie I mean, to the there's IDs? a lot of people who don't Pardon have IDs. Being dumb. But, well, they're poor. They're uh, they are elderly. Um, they are. It kind of uh, goes back to you not wanting to change. They walk your name. to work. Yeah, yeah, it's not wanting to change your name. But also, it's the idea <clears throat> that voting is an inalienable right in this country, and the voter ID implies that there's some sort of scheming and voter fraud that's going on, and there is no demonstrable voter fraud that has ever occurred uh, to the degree that anyone has claimed that it would affect any election. So it's uh, a fiction. It's therefore a principle based in a fiction that only limits the rights of people who probably don't have identification. Therefore they are poor elderly or in some way. So over, you know, rot in their work lives or whatever, and get a ride to work or whatever, that they just don't have time to do that. And those are, essentially voting blocks that are generally not supporting right, uh, right. right-wing candidates. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we should be focusing, if we want to have this uh, uh, fair and free election, it's a very easy way to do it. We could do state by state, county by county, just like in Iraq, a, blue, a, a thumbprint hand mm. count election. Mm. We could declare our voting day a national holiday and we could also um, extend the rights to convicts and felons mm. uh, because just because they were convicted of a crime doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to decide on their leader. Another racially biased uh, voting uh, mm. uh, suppression act. So uh, there's a lot of things we could do, but those things aren't being done because uh, as much as Dems Can you imagine scream the way cry, we yeah. would campaign if everybody – if it was really equal like that? And, yeah. and how you would have to run the country to get reelected? Oh yeah, the way your heart and your mind would have to open. It to would the, have to be to more parliamentary and open. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't just be like, well, in this state they like this sort of stuff. The majority yeah. likes this. The majority likes this. Let's play the majority. Yeah. Very, we can live knowing there's 30 million people who live below the poverty line, or 40 million people who live below the poverty line in the United States right now in abject poverty. Yeah, they don't have to be reached out to, bothered with, whatever. They, they're, they're not. They're not even a thought on anybody's mind. Right. But so, if everybody, everyone got to vote, yeah, if it was that's easy. thirty or forty million votes right there. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, not that still everyone would turn out. Those people are lazy fucks, <laughs> especially the poor. <laughs> after all that, after the most eloquent summation of the problem with 
Oh my God! That you was imagine brilliant. that's so terrible. So I'm just especially kidding. the poor. Uh, that is hilarious. Well, yeah, oh, I get do you serious. Ever, do you sorry. ever worry about you know Trump coming after you in some way? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I always feel like like. He went after SNL because, like, he had been on SNL and, like, he worked for NBC and, like, Alec is, like, a star and he's playing Trump. And so it makes more sense that he would probably watch that. He's also, like, an an elderly person. He probably doesn't even know basic cable channels exist. (laughs) So, you know, I – I don't – one, don't take any offense at the idea that he might not know who I am or know about my show. I don't know if he does or doesn't. Um, you think that has to be in the briefing? Uh, maybe. I mean I'm sure people around him, the staffers maybe have seen clips of it and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, – I don't know. If he knows about it, I don't know. I, I, I'm not scared. I mean I'm as yeah, scared. I don't, I don't mean to imply you should be scared. Oh, I mean, I think about it. I yeah. all through the tour and everything. I had moments where I got scared. I mean, he's got crime family roots, and he's got connections to crime families and stuff. I would get nervous about if I stepped in it in a way that really ticked him off, and then suddenly I just you know, like Kathy Griffin style, disappear. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I ain't. I'm not doing that deep dish severed head Kathy <laughs> Griffin style sh- Chicago fuck up. <laughs> I mean, deep dish Chicago fuck up. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? I mean, that one. Like, I love Kathy. I love Kathy Griffin. It's just you like, like what? Trump. I love her. I love her. But what the? I really am like, what the fuck were you thinking? Who the fuck looked at that print? Who looked at the? You know, because yeah. you do a photo shoot, you walk right over to the screen yeah, yeah, and yeah, see yeah, him. Yeah. Nobody went, hey, you know. It's a bit much. It's a bit much. First off, he first off, he looks like his head looks like it's covered in barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, it looks like an hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. looks like a cocktail weenie with a, with a, a barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know, man. I just, yeah, I just, I feel like Trump comedy is like a loaded gun in the house. Mm. Only the people who know how to use it should do it. Mm. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I I've had this experience a couple of times now just doing the show when I've is that other people don't know how to handle the weapon. Mm. And what there's you, a way to handle him. Did have you has everybody asked you about the Baldwin impression thing? Yeah. 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 You feel how do you feel? <laughs> I wasn't even going to bring it up. You just no. made me remember. Oh yeah, well, I mean I I mean I I don't feel any way about it now. I have I have a show. I do I think I do a uh uh, a lot of people. A different job. You were CBGB though, and he was kind of, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, doing Blink One Eighty Two. I like yeah. Blink One Eighty Two, but he was kind of like in the mainstream. Yeah, way. he's doing. Listen, he's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. But you know, uh, there's a world where people like to learn an impression and look at other people to do the impression. Yeah, I'm sure there's that world, I mean, especially on a live TV show, yeah. and you're trying to put it together. I mean, here's here's all I know that I like to know, uh, or people to know that's important to me, is that I was doing this August 2015 and did it all year, uh, and you know, auditioned for SNL and and you mm-hmm. know, screen tested and the whole nine with Trump. I did Trump and I did Alec. Really? That's hilarious. In my audition. I might be the only person who the guy who ended up doing the impression I did, I auditioned doing both impressions in it. What is an Alec Baldwin impression? I, I mean, it's, it's been like, a while. <laughs> it, was, it was one I le- t- learned for the test. For the thing. I know those impressions. But yeah, but it was... It, <laughs> 
I mean, he's sort of like breath. He's sort of breathless. It kind of talks like this. Like yeah. Breathless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. be like, he'll be like, Marcy. He does. <laughs> Where's Marcy Klein? <laughs> Tina, I'm thinking maybe for this shot. Like he does. Sandman's really good. Tina, I'm thinking we do a little bit. <laughs> and then uh, he yeah, yeah. brings it up here like this. It brings it back down. <laughs> Uh, my wife. He says he loves talking about his wife. Uh, so, so yes. Well, okay. said too much already. Every time I'm always like, keep it cool. Don't. I, here, I worked with him. He's a nice guy. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's any love lost between the two of us at this point. Yeah. But we don't really know each other well, so... You know, beyond our working relationship, that right? We was, with but that he's was a friend of the UCB. You know, it'd be there the and yeah. Thirty Rock, the table yeah, reads Thirty Rock Live. Yeah, he's stuff. seen me perform and improvise. He was very complimentary. Yeah, I think that whatever happened had to do with a series of uh, uh, misunderstandings and a sense of being ganged up on or something like that. And um, and maybe a, uh, he had a little too much of a sense of I did this, mm. and that for me bumped for me because I was like, no, like you didn't do this, like I did this, and you did it too, and it's fine, but like you don't get to like own all that space, right? And I won't, I won't, and and if I you're gonna that. if you're gonna poke me, mm. like you're gonna poke me, like you're owning your space, but you're gonna come up and like. Touch my shoulder, like what do you expect me to do? Mm. You know, he's a guy from Long Island, but I'm a kid from Chelsea. Like, he's what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> so, uh, Chelsea, <laughs> not Chelsea, New York. No, Chelsea, I know, Mass. I know. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, well, you've talked about that enough. I, I like I said, I wasn't. Let's talk about something. Oh, you it's haven't. all good, and I, I, I love him, and and hope he does great, and hope he comes back. I hope there's more Trump satire on TV. Yeah, it's better for everybody. I love. I him. agree, and I think he's done. I, I want to say this for all my like wise ass talk. He's super funny. He does it really funny. He's really yeah. good and funny. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what's the big fucking problem? Yeah, yeah. Right. We can all do it for us. For us. It's for us. It's, for us. It's not against us. I thought you were calling me four eyes. Four eyes. Glasses. <laughs> you do on your dick. Mm-hmm. I know you. Have oh, tiny I do. Glasses. I have a <laughs> monocle on my dick, just over the hole. Ooh, classy. <laughs> so let's let's ask you something that you don't get asked in every interview. Yes. Um, which is about the meaning of of life. Yes. And we can, we can do... Uh, I'm going to stretch. Yeah! <laughs> um, what is all this? You seem to have some thoughts about meditation and mindfulness and the <sighs> brain and the amygdala yeah. and, and their philosophy on enjoying life and trying to enjoy it. Where did that come from, you're saying? But like, let's, let's just get into yeah. that more. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. Is there intent? Uh, do, you, do you see... How do you build reality when you think about this world? That's an interesting question. That's a really good question. Um, I think that um, I try to ride the wave between knowing that it's building itself from the greater part of my mind that is processing and determining it mm. and understanding that I'm intersecting in an independent world. Like unlike Trump, I don't think that you are an extension of me because mm -hmm. that's like sociopathic narcissism. Mm -hmm. um, but I uh, – uh, I feel like it's less that we control outcomes as much as we witness them. I think it's about witnessing. I, I, I'm feeling that yeah. as a through line. You're trying to observe it. Yes, witnessing it, witnessing myself. Going, yeah. There's Anthony. 
Yelling yes. at his improv class. Yes. There's Anthony getting upset that someone said, are you excited? Yes. And here's Anthony doing the show. Yes. Here's Anthony doing the podcast. Yes. I'm right here. But like, not- this is wonderful. I'm right here talking. Yep. I have moments when we're talking right now where I will float away for a moment. And you wonder- know what I do in those moments? What? I go, Anthony's going to die. <laughs> yes. At some point, Anthony will die and he's here now. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yes, that is. I'm not trying to be dark. No, no, that's I'm going to die too. Instant you're nostalgia. Instant. It's it's immediate instant nostalgia. nostalgia. I'm also yes, going to die. I feel that deeply. Doesn't that bring you into the moment? Yes. I'm going to die, and yes. someday you might look back if I die before you and go, "I talked to Pete, and it's happening yeah. right now." Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's all happening right now. It's, yeah. You're dying. I'm dying now, and we're also here. Yeah, yeah. We're we're things. We're seeds on the dandelion flower, and we're blowing yeah. away slowly, and and we just have to go. Well, yeah. At one point, there'll be no more seeds, but yes. today, there are a few. There are. And and also to remember that some of this is driven in even our emotional context. I said this at work the other day. I said, I have never experienced... <laughs> what if you, I, I said this at work the other day. I have to take a shit. I have to take a shit. Well, that is very true. <laughs> Say that four or five times a day. And I got my own toilet, so I'm ah, thrilled. It's golden. Uh, so it, uh, but I, say, I said the work Sorry. the other day. I'm going, I'm having instant nostalgia. I am witnessing yes. my... I'm witnessing this show... It's one of the keys to happiness. And, and feeling, feeling it, like feeling the excitement. I'm feeling, I'm already missing it. I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm right at the beginning anticipating it. Right. I'm all those feelings at the same time. It's like Jim Carrey said on Kimmel. He was talking, you know, he's, he, I yeah. love Jim Carrey. I, I think his philosophies are, are great. He's like, I don't feel like a man anymore. I feel like a man experiencing the universe. I feel like the, experience, uh, the universe experiencing, experiencing a man. man. Yeah. So when I'm doing things, so I told you, it was just the first day of shooting. Yeah. And I was feeling a little detached. Despondent. Despondent. And I was like, isn't this interesting? Yeah. It doesn't feel, the first day of shooting didn't feel like I thought it would feel. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Instead of going, just yes. going, Look at that. Yeah. I bet no one here knows that it feels a little bit electric in my belly right now. Yeah. And a little bit out of control in my feet. Yeah. You you identify. So that's really good, too, is you identify uh, in your body. Try. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's important because the... Where you feel in your body is linking to this congress of personalities that are all working in your mind. And there is usually a driving sort of unifying... Uh, maybe uh, 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 a speaker of the house that's sort of the one that yes. is in mine is Nancy Pelosi. Uh, <laughs> that like, but like I have uh, a primary self, but I have a series of right. other characters. Which you? Yes, yeah. that are that choose to get in front of the steering wheel and drive it, and they all have good intention. But the issue is to create communication between them because them if be they heard. don't know yeah because if they don't know they act out in ways that the other ones get and you, you start right. you start stretching yourself so you, I try to give myself a seat at the table in my own mind that's and right just be like sit there and watch let's just watch what's happening that's right you act to witnessing so I believe witnessing consciousness I believe witnessing other people uh, not in the religious I mean I don't know the but I in term of I want to witness someone I want to witness their experience right. and, and I want to hear them and, and, and I know I'm better off uh, I'm better off hearing you and having you be um, the person who uh, uh, I put myself into in the sense of just listening to you and you're speaking right. than living in myself while you speak that's right right Is it, that's why that's so offensive of course I, I, so there's so my it's least a, favorite thing is when someone goes like, "What's your favorite ice cream?" And while they're talking, they just go, "Mine's Rocky Road." <laughs> and it's like, I just said mine's Rocky Road. Why didn't you say mine's Rocky Road too? Because you weren't even listening. 
Yes. And people do this all the time. Yes, yes. I've noticed that my father does that big time where he goes, this is a real one, he goes, first of all, he can never remember Judd's name. And he's like, so Peter, Jeff Applebaum, what, what is the quality of a good director? Right? And then I'll just go, because I'm 38 now, yeah. and I've been to the puppet show, and I've seen the strings. Yeah. I just go, Dad, what do you think the quality is of a good director? Yeah. And he goes, well, I'm asking you. I'm like, yeah, but Dad, sometimes you just ask me things, and I think you just want to tell me what yeah. you think it is. And he goes, well, I think you have to be decisive. <laughs> and I was like, ah! There you go. You just wanted yes. to tell me you bet yes. Chad Apatow's decisive. Yes. Because he loves being a dad going like, power. Choices, <laughs> you know, yeah. he just wanted to talk, yeah, but that hurts our feelings because I want you to experience me and right. I want to experience you, and that's when creation is, is observed, yes. and that feels good, that however, feels you frame good. that. Well, as opposed to, and the thing also is, you know, then you also maybe by doing what you do with your dad, is there's a, a slow movement towards the passive desire to share a point of view that is masked. In interest in yours. Yes. Whereas opposed, imagine the room you gave yourself if you started to just say, I think a good director is decisive. And you leave that space. Yes. You would condition yourself to start to have more room to hear other people. It's That's like, the irony. It's like the room you got rid of when you stopped wondering when you were going to make it. Yes. You're like, I'm going to give myself more space. Yes. And that and that's such a, speaking of that, when we're talking about our emotions and we go give it space, when you yeah. go like, I feel low. Give it some space. Don't yeah. cling to it. Just let it kind of float inside of yeah. you and don't identify with it, but dispassionately observe it. Yes. Easier said than done. Of way. I mean, if you can remember it nine out of t- one out of 10 times you're doing. Yeah, good. that's true. Because you're not going, you're, you're, it, it's very hard to stay in that space. I think that's one thing for people listening is like, this is not like, this is not the normal mode. There's plenty of modes for me that are like, what reactive, crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally embraced by some emotional state that I'm, I'm not um, um, able to steer out of times when I witness it. And I don't, I choose to steer into it. Yep. I choose to go, fuck, I'm just going to lose it. I'm going to let the mm-hmm. lower part take charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I think that that paired with meditation really helped me understand um, the uh, that that it's more uh, joyful to try to, to to witness this as it is a singular experience. I don't know what the the I mean I don't presume to know what the greater experience is. I believe that if there are micro subatomic nano um, uh, uh, sub subatomic systems that we can't witness, yeah. but we can calculate with math or understand them through series various bits of observation that my presumption would be there are super organic systems that exist outside of our sphere of understanding larger than galaxies, like larger than tiny, universes. It goes big. Yeah. yeah. And so if that's true, then my, my gamble is that, because there is two sort of frames of consciousness, I think there is the one that we know that is this sort of like voice that's us, that's not us, that maybe you witness coming out of sleep sometimes or in deep meditation or whatever, where you connect into a thing that you understand is sort of timeless and outside of your witnessing self. And also the witnessing self, which is a great character and a personality and a and the one that is on the earth, and that's the sad one that you mourn because that one, like this one, dies. Like mm-hmm. I, as this, die, and that's it. But within there is, I think, a partnered 
sort of super self, if you want to call it, that is also of of it a t- a a tendril of it is this, mm-hmm. and how I, I think there's a reason we're designed the way we are. I think you could pr- bring yourself to madness to conceive of infinite permutations of this con- of this super consciousness. What exists when that super consciousness itself m- moves into some other sphere, and what is perception as you move through? multiple permutations of existing do you carry it like a boat with barnacles will i have some understanding Mm. of other permutations is it painful does pain and panic exist outside of this frame Mm. Mm. i don't think so i think that those things are um i was just thinking about it yeah so that so i don't know and and you know if people label that as a god that's fine. I, you know, I think God is the place word we just use. You know, we tack that up, Allah, God, whatever for, whatever is the thing that we sort of don't want to it's understand. The it's the bucket. And the truth is, is that the religious texts are, as much as they are, they are part and parcel expressions, intangible expressions of divine experiences that are within the mind that have to do with philosophy, partnered with a political rule book that was designed to order mankind, humankind on the planet a bit. And the problem is, is that we know that of man, you know, the, the, the man is not there to explain and reduce the divine to the earth. So Mm. taking, (laughs) taking the divine and saying it's, I'm robbing this thing and saying it's really about me telling you what you can do with your body or telling you what's in your mind or saying how you have to do this thing, this ritual, this, that is how you achieve it because I have defined that as the way you achieve it because I know I spoke to God. Mm. The minute anybody says to me I spoke to God or I hear that, I know you're full of shit Right? because no one would fucking say that. No one would have the presumption to believe that they could have the connection with that level of divinity that it is, imp- and, and that the conclusion they get from it is to brag about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by, by doing that, you are not clearly connecting with the thing yeah. that of, of it, all its love and, and multiple permutations of manifestation, would it ever return itself by saying, hey, you know what, I, I just so you know, I'm talking to you, and I think you definitely... Definitely keep taking, you know, those donations. You need a new gold Mercedes. Mm, mm-hmm. Now, that's just not – or you're going to do with what, you know, uh, you're going to tell these people what to do with their bodies or you're going to cite these philosophies, which were written by man, uh, as uh, ways to um, uh, ignore, damage, and hurt people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I don't – I just don't – I cannot buy it. So what I would believe is that – there is probably many waveforms that run over everything, and although we see them as evil, good, or whatever, they probably aren't even. They're just different sort of forms that hit the earth. And I think the sad one is that people who live in the waveform of manipulation and you know Trump, people like this. But forget Trump. Think about Pence and 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 you know and, and the disingenuousness of the pious right and left. Um, uh, that those that the danger that's so prevalent to me is people of actually very nefarious designs occupy more space in what we perceive as the great religious philosophies in terms of controlling and man- and propagating mm. the information than those who do the good. Mm. 
you know? I do. And that's what's sad. Yeah, but, you know, to what you're saying, what I love to think about, especially yeah. as you're reminding me of macro universes huge that we can't understand and it makes me feel small and, and, and yeah. nuclear weapons that make me feel vulnerable. Like yeah. I could be evaporating during this conversation. Yes. Uh, yep. We might have already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe and this, this is, is it. Out, this is we, just, we, do, we can't pull them off like a Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad. No, this wouldn't be bad at all. I'm fine with this. Like a flash forward 200 years. I'm like, <laughs> and you realize nothing's recording. And there's it. no, and there's no water. You I've set up my air. own hell. Ooh, that air. So sorry, I interrupted you. No, I, when you are quiet or when you have some sort of um, outside of yourself experience, these things tend to lean towards love for me. That's yeah. who I believe. Are the people when I have my breakfast with God or whatever, yeah. with in tune with some sort of understanding bigger than myself it's it's a loving place it's not a i should steal from you i should lie to you i should tell you that i'm going to manipulate this text to make you do this to your body or this to your whatever yeah or fight these people or rape these people or whatever it might be that clearly is intuitively in our hearts we know that's wrong and so when we die you're you're open to other possibilities or you think it's just off um i think that it's always a, a split thing, which is I think that um, I don't know. So how can I know? I can't know. Um, but what I would uh, – uh, my conjecture would be that this understanding, this blanks out. Like mm-hmm. in other words, this me blanks out. The, the, the parts that are driven through the um, neural firings of my brain – the brain matter that makes up my ability to express myself, my notion and definition of myself as Anthony Atamanik, uh dies and is gone. Mm-hmm. And there is, it does not, it's, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But um, I am open to um, probably either the seamless transmutation into a parallel experience, which I am not even aware of the death that just happened. Yep. And therefore move along without like, any understanding. It's like Dark City. Yes. Did you do Dark City? Yes. Like you just wake up and now you're in a fancy house. Yes. With your family. Yeah. That's one of the basic ways to trip out yeah. is like, how do we know that we didn't just like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah. and now we're here and everything was a memory. Yes. Total and, recall. And if those stacks, yes, Blue Sky on Mars. Yeah. Terrifying. That like, no good. So that to me is hell though, because I feel like that is constantly being trapped in different Reduced definitions. I mean, somebody what is it that uh, uh, Alan Watts once said, you know, which sort of goes back to what Jim Carrey said too, which is like, we are just the universe eyeing an I, like the letter I, mm-hmm. so that like the universe of all things it manifests wants to manifest consciousness too, because that's a part and parcel of its existence. So we are the universe witnessing itself. Mm-hmm. That's our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to be an extension of realities. It is, it is, uh, we are, you know, like uh, nerve endings basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, I, I have a feeling that there is um, some sh- sliver or probably some larger, um, perspective that's not visual or oral it's not in our dimension so um it's like trying to imagine a color that you've never seen yes so i consider that experience in 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 itself and in terms of the totality of what i might be a part of would exist 
but me as the individual no longer. Mm-hmm. You know, and for all we know, we could be like those candy strips. You know, the candy dots, the dipping dots, mm-hmm. not dipping dots, but the ones that are on, on the, the sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always think of like, well, you know, you, me, Gamberling, you know, uh, this reverse of my mom, my dad, <laughs> Pete Gross. We could all be on one big dipping dot sheet, right? <laughs> and we all are dot sheets. So like. We all see ourselves as this separate thing, but we might be one brushstroke of a bunch of different brushstrokes that exist in some other frame. Mm-hmm. So there could be a, a, a sense of sort of uh, like the house. You know, you're like the house of Slytherin, the house of this, right, or whatever that is mm-hmm. in Harry Potter. Maybe we are. You know, maybe I am a toenail of this. I mean, just to give an example, of it's like a turtle. I'm a toenail of this turtle, but John's another toenail and you're another one. And, you know, my wife is an eye. And, hmm. and so we're all on this one thing, but maybe there's one that has like a hundred personalities that it manifests in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm just one of the manifestations of the core idea. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one going another way and it manifests itself. And, you know, right. It, I, I would imagine it's oceanic. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah, yeah. Infinite, infinite possibilities. Infinite possibilities, infinite permutations, which, of course, from Star Trek is the idic. Infinite, <laughs> diversity, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. <laughs> That's full circle. That's data. Old Yellow Eyes. Old Yellow Eyes is back, baby. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm so happy to talk about that. We did get heavy, so I'm excited to ask you the, the final question. Okay, Do you yeah. feel satisfied on God? Oh, I mean, I always feel satisfied with God. <laughs> that was dirty. I, do you feel you – did you get off? Um, we always talk – because things can get heavy, we always say, can you remember the time you laughed the hardest in your life? Oh, man. And here's the caveat I always give. Yeah. I'm not looking for a great story, but when right. you think about it – and take a second. Are you yeah. a child? Was it last week? Were you on drugs? God, no. I think the hardest <laughs> I've ever laughed has been sober or when I've been clear. Mm. And I'm, I'm trying to, to – to, the, the first one that, that really – I got to say, it's the first one that comes to mind and I lost my – literally lost my shit. It comes back to my best friend, Dave. <laughs> Dave and I were sleeping over and my grandmother and grandfather used – we used to live in a double-decker – and they lived upstairs, and we lived downstairs, but they would go to Florida for the winter. And so when I would have sleepovers, we'd just sleep in my grandparents' twin beds, like I Love Lucy style, uh-huh. and not have to be in the apartment downstairs. So it was like we had our own place, right? <laughs> I think this is the hardest I've ever laughed because I still laugh at it when I, when, when I see Dave. And, um, uh, and I wore these like blue pajama bottom pants, and I just distinctly remember that. And we had like watched, like maybe we watched Dream Warrior, whatever the f- Freddy that is. I think that's three or two. I can't remember. Uh-huh. I think it's three of Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not a sleepover if you're not watching Nightmare on Elm Street. That's <laughs> so true. And so we went upstairs in the bedroom and we were talking and, you know, shoot, you know, making fun of each other and farting and whatever. <laughs> and we convinced ourselves that there was a sound out in the hall and we thought it was Freddy Krueger, but we knew it wasn't, but we were like working ourselves up. <laughs> and I had to take a shit. Oh, no. And I like didn't want to like admit that I had to take a shit. And we finally, like, we need to go out. And I kind of forgotten I had to. And we had our slippers and we're like, whatever's out in the fucking hallway, we're going to fucking get it. And we like went in the hallway and uh, there was nothing there, obviously. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom, right? 
So I walk into the bathroom and I'm just like turning the corner and staying there. And Dave goes, and like scares the shit out of me. (laughs) And I look at him and just, I have fully just shit myself. And I've known Dave for like four months. You evacuated your And the best part is he looks at me and he goes, what's the matter? And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm like, why did you scare me like that? And I... He goes, what happened? And I look down, and right at that moment, I, like, shake my left leg a little bit. No. And a, a log of shit, a log, log of shit. A young man stirred. A young man stirred just drops out from the pant leg, clean. And Dave and I looked at clean, each other, and Dave looked at me and went, shake a leg. And we... I mean, I have never laughed ever that hard in my life. Shake a leg. Shake a leg. Ah! We say it to this day. Ah! If something awkward's happening or weird, David and I will be like, shake a leg. <laughs> shake the turn out your leg. Shake a leg. Ah! And the best part is that I'll tell you why I think I laugh so hard. Because it was a combination of total fear that I just lost a friendship because I shit myself in front yes, of somebody. of course. And the joy in seeing a person who lives on the same membrane as I do. Yes. Not why. alone. Yeah. In beautiful. that moment of vulnerability. Not alone. Could have teased. Yeah. Instead joined you. Yes. And said shake a leg. Yeah. Beautiful. So that's I my story. A perfect way to close. And you feel good. Pete, I love this. Thank I love you. this too. This You're a great, great guest. Perfect guest. Uh, we always watch the President Show. Oh, President Show is on Thursday nights at eleven thirty on Comedy Central. You can also watch it on iTunes. Oh, I watch it on iTunes on ComedyCentral.com. Uh, there are a variety of uh, ways you can do it. Yep. And if you live in Iran, you can watch it. If you live in Somalia, you can watch it. Okay. If you live in Australia, <laughs> you can watch it. It's crazy. Our enemies, Australia. <laughs> yeah, our enemies, Australia, or our friends, Iran. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we always end the show. Thank you for being here. Sure. Thank with the you. guest saying thank the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. Okay. I'm going to suggest because it tickles us so if you do it, it's true. Keep it crispy. <laughs> keep it crispy, baby. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Just like the tip of my deck. A little bit sleepy. <laughs> a little sleepy. And when I pee, it should straight up in my face because there's crust over the hole. <laughs> That's, That's a good way to end. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 